record. All right. So we'll we're into and we're track. we're recording now, everybody. Yeah. We're, we're alive we're recording alive this now. Tape. <laughs> that's you know that's one of the jokes I like to to pull every now and again. Be like, yes, everybody, we're live here, blah blah blah, in the super secret studio that is my living room. You know that kind of thing. It, it, it now we're in the super. Shit, the super <laughs> secret studio that they don't know where we're broadcasting from. Well, I've never told anybody my address. Okay. So my living room is still an ethereal place to like ninety nine percent of the people that would listen to the show. Now, some some of the folks that I know personally that I've had on the show, I've had them in my living room for the show. But I can't tell you how many people who have been to my house forget how to get to my house and still have to text me. <laughs> I was like, you do realize your contacts has a thing where you can put an address in that. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, but now that we're here, ladies and gentlemen, this is um, the next episode of the KAAMP. That is the Knoxville Area Artist Networking Podcast or platform. Uh, you know, I kind of say that in interchangeably, but it's podcast. Um, today... This evening, right now, uh, live as we speak, uh, I have a, a gentleman across the room from me that runs his own podcast called The Ramblin' Man Pod, right? The Ramblin' Man Ramblin' Man, but I just put pod because I couldn't get Ramblin' Man. Ah, well. And I'm a social media person, so I got to get The SEO is, is on your tail. So if you will introduce yourself and sort of tell us what your podcast is about, that would be wonderful. Okay. Uh, my name is Jody Collins, and my podcast is called Ramblin' Man, and the elevator pitch or whatever i always say i find someone knowledgeable on a topic and we talk about it but we can meander and ramble there we go pause for effect <laughs> uh learned that from my mom if you listen to my yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can meander and talk like the first episode i ever did was with my friend aaron donovan we did it at wild love bakehouse we went for three hours oh nice it was august i was di- i wore shorts in the wintertime i was <laughs> but we talked about tinder we remote parented a child that their parents weren't paying attention to so it can just go wherever the hell it takes us yeah and that's fine because i don't ever try to steer this conversation yeah. too damn hard um so one of the questions I'll, I'll tell you this one okay. of the questions i've gotten away from asking is is creativity your full-time gig like are you a full-time creative or is that the day job creative in the broadest aspect yes so i will say like right now i'm just making sure my levels are good uh right now 95 percent of my work is working in marketing seo website development website building i'll tell you it shows because <laughs> Uh, the way you do your thing and the way I do my thing have have, <laughs> have a very different ethos. Oh, uh, I, I'm pretty uh, laid back and 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 um, I'm gonna put the information out there and we'll see what happens. And you and you're very oh. well. Mine, I tell you how the questionnaire came from. I started interviewing people I didn't know. Like if you listen to the early Ramble Man, I'm interviewing with friends. Like the episode, not to. To give too fine a point on when I release this, when you will release this, but the episode I released today was with my friend Adam Kennedy. He's been doing running his own coffee cart for five years. It's not just him; he has two, excuse me, two partners. He does ninety eight percent of the work. It is the bullshittiest of bullshitty. Oh, I'm sorry. Can we curse on? <laughs> of that? course. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. That's, that's, that's what I thought. That, listen, 
I strive to earn the E. <laughs> I was going to say, I've listened to a few, and I pretty much remember. Oh, Man, yeah. Let's, let's, Esther is let's, filthy mouth. I mean, come on. Let's get that E. Yeah. If we're going to be honest about it, Esther. Man. Esther, goodness. I, I had to Gracious. divert my ears. I was listening to it clutching my pearls. Yes, indeed. Um, but I interviewed him, and it is the weirdest, rambliest conversation ever. But the questionnaire came from there was one person I interviewed. That every answer was one word. I was like, so this, yada, 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 and you got into this. So what made you, did you, what made you get into that? I liked it. Right. Right. And, and I found having a shareable list of questions so people can tune their expectations is very beneficial. Yeah. But some people over prepare. Yeah. Yeah. And have very well annotated answers in a book that they are ready to spring when you answer the, or when you <laughs> ask the question. I don't have that very often, but I have had it happen. I I will be <laughs> on a I'm being interviewed on another podcast on Saturday. She pre-sent me questions and but like the questions were in like a PDF, but she had her questions in the emails like or things she needed. Like, let me know if any of these questions are not okay to answer. Uh, can you send me a headshot? Can you send me art that we're going to talk about? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. She said, are there any questions you're unwilling to answer? I looked at, I was like, I don't even have to look through your list. Ask me whatever the hell you right, want. Yeah. I'm uh, not going to hold back. So. Well, you know, I, I put this whole thing together with the preface that, you know, we can speak freely and I expect you to not bite your tongue. And yeah. if you choose, that's okay. Oh, there are some things for, as my friend Aaron Don, I like to give full names because one of my friends, Stephanie Romer, said, you always say first names and we don't know who the hell you're talking about. So Aaron Donovan said, there are times <laughs> where you need to be political. And she was like, well, you need to shut the hell up or not say the name that you're thinking. Right. Of. <laughs> and I was like, I have to keep that in mind. Um, where was I? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> this is the effects of Rambler Man. Is, yeah. well, it's, I mean, you know, um, it happens. Oh, yeah. Speak oh, freely. Blah, oh, blah, blah. D- oh, daily. Uh, so the majority. So I had work for myself doing a business called Feral Giant for five and a half years. But the pandemic was super tough. And this Thursday, I think I will hit uh, one full year. I work for an insurance company and I'm branding manager, director of branding which means I do a crap ton of marketing and SEO and website and all that stuff. Design is a smaller part of, of what I do there, but I still do it. Like there's a UT job fair tomorrow that one of the kids that we have in our program did something in word. I was like, no, no, no. Give me that. (laughs) And I redid it for him. He's like, that looked really good. I was like, I I know. This is what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I've been doing this for a which we can get to later or whenever. I've been doing this for very long. I am an old man. <laughs> Even though I don't present as old, I am an old man. Well, it seems as if you have at least one less gray hair in your beard than I do <laughs> because I know I only have one, and I haven't spotted yours yet. Oh, no. I've, they're scattered throughout. <laughs> well, mine is here on my right cheek about halfway up. It doesn't have a name, but I'm fond of it. <laughs> oh, mine are... Mine are pure white. I was in the work. I was in the bathroom at work one day, and I just recoiled from the mirror. <laughs> yeah, well, here's my transition to a cotton ball. <laughs> as as my listeners know, I have lots of red hair, but uh, a lot of other folks are ignorant to the fact that I just look like a giant red poofy thing from the shoulders up. Uh, so yeah, you know. But you've kept your hair on top of your head. 
Well, well, I got an undercut, and the top of it's long. Okay. Because that's easy to maintain. So I recently found photos of me when I graduated college, and I was already way back here. Yeah. I was already losing hair I'd, at I'd like just, twenty. I'd, I'd straight shave it. Oh, that's what once, I once doing. that started happening, I, I got no time for the games. Yeah, just give it, give me the razor. I love, I love having a shaved head. Well, it's, see, I would happily shave my head. I hate shaving my face, obviously. Yeah. Uh, my my poor mother, bless her heart, she got me razors for Christmas this year, and I just looked over at her. I was like, "Why?" <laughs> so I will let my beard go. Really, it never goes down. It goes like I call it Zachariah Taylor. Like it goes, it goes out. out. Yeah, mine does the same shit. And my mom, every once in a while, just back, honey. So I finally trimmed it, but now you can see where I never shave it. So, so I'm not sorry. We're in some deep beard talk right now. Yeah. But um, does your beard have a grain? Because mine does. Not really. So it's just all out from the face in all the directions? Yeah. Okay. Like it'll, oh no, here's the weirdest part. There is a, and I can probably find it. There is a patch. Like, look at this. Like it actually, there's a patch that grows that this can touch my chest at times. <laughs> and so it's, it's way curlier than everything else around. And it's just longer. It just keeps <laughs> growing. And so, I can't figure it out. So when I go to the place to get my hair cut and the person's trimming up my beard, I have to remember to tell them that they're not crazy and it will always look asymmetrical. Okay. So the right side of my face grows straight down my cheek to meet the, my jawline. And the left side of my face goes down the jawline and then across under my chin and meets the hair on the right side of my face and juts oh. out at like a 45 degree angle towards like my right elbow. I was going to ask, is it what side you sleep on? Uh, it's I roll over a lot. Because so. uh, I saw someone once say that like, Whichever, there's one of them that grows faster because you don't sleep on it. If that's the case, I haven't figured it out yet. But I have to I have to warn yeah. the people, hey, look, if you're trimming my beard, just understand that it goes like this, and it's always going to look longer here than on the opposite side. So trust me, you're doing a fine job. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's just been one of those things I've learned about having a beard that I have yeah. to tell other people about having a yeah. beard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't. I I tried to get somebody to trim my beard there for a while. I'm trying to figure out because it keeps looking like I'm not hearing myself. And what the hell? Is your mic dropping out again? Yeah, it keeps going. Oh, God bless it. I'll fix it. Kurt, Kurt, fix that. Post. <laughs> I have an imaginary editor. Oh, uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna hold this up so I can see it better. Just an imaginary sure. editor. Yeah, that's a, that's a concept. Kurt or <laughs> Kurt or. I can't remember. I've got two names for him. And well, I let's let's flesh this concept yeah. out real quick. Um, what's this person look like? Uh, I see him as a uh, baby face with a good head of hair. Looks like he's still in college. Okay. I can't. Ex I'm trying to think of a good a uh, an actor that I can give that looks kind of similar. Kind of like a young Kurt. Kurt Russell. That's probably a why young, I'm calling him Kurt. A young Kurt Russell. Are we talking um, um, like uh, Big Trouble in Little China? or We're Maybe uh, maybe back to uh, Escape from New York. Oh, you don't say. Yeah. That's that's a bit more grizzled than I thought. Yeah. I was thinking about the one well, with What's-Her-Face. I mean he, that age with the... the well, the hair. Yeah, the hair. That, that I think it's the hair I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's fair. That was, that was a look. Yeah. <laughs> That was a very defined look in his career. Which have you ever said, God, we are going down a path. Have you ever seen the alternative opening to Escapes from New York? Yes. It's amazing. 
Uh, both of those movies, I think, are wonderful. But oh man, I can I rewatched Escape from L.A. I was like, oh man, and, this and is New York. Is, I think the first one is better, but uh, Escape from L.A. was the first one I saw, so it had okay. a special place okay. in my heart. Um, so man, let's let's answer this next question two ways. What's what's a good creative slash work day for you professionally and personally with your own creative pursuits? Uh varied work Mm -hmm. because so i've been doing a little backstory i've been in printing and design since i was 13 years old so 1992 fulton high school vocational school they had upholstery woodworking auto mechanics all that but they had a print shop and there were only two computers in the entire school and (laughs) one of them was in print shop nice and so i was like i want to work in computers I had worked in DOS in middle school and didn't like it because it was too much work, which is hilarious that I work in web and I edit videos, which is a whole a lot of work. Jesus. And, but it was because I started in design store early and we would like design on the computer, print it out on a laser printer, shoot it with film, develop it, strip it up, burn it into a plate, run it on we had real clients. One of our real clients was a pager company called Volcom. <laughs> so when I see kids wearing <laughs> Volcom shirts, I laugh my ass off. Right. And, but it's, I got, because I was pretty good at design by the time I got to college, I would teach the other students how to do stuff in photo. Cause I was working in Photoshop one. Yeah. It was bundled with a scanner. It was called Ophoto Photoshop. <laughs> so I would teach, I went to Mississippi cause they had the better des- and still have the better design program. Shots fired. And, <laughs> I would teach, it was a lot of older students. So I would teach them better how to work on the computer when I was in school and college. So I was good at design and there were points where I was like, I need to learn marketing because I need to learn how to actually make my design make sense. So I learned marketing and then hit a point where I was like, I need to go back to design, touch base on it. And I just kept doing that. Photography, videography, websites, uh, SEO, all that stuff. And so I got to learn this myriad of work. And so in a day, I love the days when I can write a blog post, key, write a blog post that's writing, keyword the shit out of it, SEO. Uh, but then also like draw an illustration to go along to correspond to where it's just so many pieces, so many facets all coming together to be one piece. I'm like, hell yeah, that's what I did. Nice. I did that right. And and that's a professional day or is that is that more the personal day? That is more the professional. Uh I would say the personal I'm about to start. I usually do this project called 36 days of type where I illustrate a different piece of type every day. And I love doing that. It's so freewheeled that but the only problem with it, the only reason I would say not for that it's because there's days where I'm like, you know what? I'm tired, but I still have to get this done. And I look at it at the end. And of course, all artists are their own worst critics. <laughs> yeah. And I look at it later. I was like, that sucks. But I would love to do that again, but I'm not going to because that was what I did on that day. <laughs> so to, to tie back into a little point we made in, in your episode, um, some of the things that I would do as a teenager when I got bored and didn't know what to draw, I would just write my name. Okay. And, yeah. And do fonts and yeah. custom text and stuff. And I don't know how many pages I've just got <laughs> filled up 
with with my name or somebody yeah. else's name and just custom fonts yeah. that so if it wasn't something super polarizing it was like oh here's somebody's name <laughs> blah 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 well and it was like growing up reading comics like seeing all the like bam yeah. pow, all yeah. that stuff learning you know making stuff here's why this stands out then that comes to a big thing with design is like i'm working on a piece right now that i'm trying to get them to understand it's like you can't make everything bold nope you're working on a client yeah, I was like, you're work. You're working with a piece. You're working on a client. Oh yeah, I was like, well, if we make everything bold, then nothing is bold. Yeah, there's I, no I, contrast. I, there was a point where I worked with a real estate publication, and I can't tell you how many agents were like, make this bold, and make this bold, and make this bold. I was like, you've just negated it being bold. You've got to make pick out three things, make those bold. Right. After that, you're done. Don't do it. So. When it comes to personal work, I think it's like there's there's an art exhibit that I am going to work on sometime. It will be on my goals for this year. All right. So when I do it, it's this big project. Any day that I make any headway on that will be a good day. A good creative day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you want to elaborate on what that is? Or? Yeah. I, I've talked about it before. Uh there are a lot of times with my ideas, I'm sure you can relate. There are times where I feel weird. I was like, I have an <laughs> idea in my head that it may not make sense to anybody else, but I don't care. I have to get it out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I've had this idea, which I could show you. I've drawn like a, a rough an illustrator because I am not a good by hand artist. I am more of an illustrator artist. And even with like a mouse pad. Like, I don't even use a Cintiq or a Wacom tablet. Oh, I, I love tablets. Okay. I, love I can't them. draw by hand, so it, it's pointless to me. <laughs> and uh, But it's called drip, and it's just this pattern that I see in my head, but the drip is going up. Oh, I... <laughs> so, I've got... You can see there's a skateboard right there. Yeah, so I'm gonna I, I paint, noticed that earlier. Paint yes. on that skateboard. I'm thinking... So, my idea is 12 to 15 pieces. Every piece is a different media. Okay. Like, I'm thinking about that taking that mirror that I found in my closet recently and making that one of the pieces. Do it. Yeah. Do it. But, but there's another part of me that's like, I would almost rather get a plain mirror because I think somebody would much rather hang a plain mirror as opposed to something like that. Put your art on it and then it's not going to matter anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. That's me kind of overthinking. Yeah. Of like, man, nobody's going to want to have this and I don't want to have this in my house. My goal is to have all of it off. Right. I don't want any of the pieces in my house. I've got too much of my shit laying around the house. Yeah. I'll say that right now. So I, in the other room, I did one exhibit. I've had a few First Fridays, a few art exhibits, and I did one called Look Up, Look Down. I was on Instagram. I post hashtag cloud porn photos. <laughs> because my thought is always... We're surrounded by so much beauty. Oh, absolutely. And we just completely... Zone it out. Zone it out. Yeah. And I was telling my buddy, I was like, there are photos on Instagram that you would skip by that it could have been the cover of National Geographic 20 years ago. Hmm? And we just like, uh, I'm not even going to double tap to like that. And I was like, anytime I saw clouds that hit me or touch me, I would just take a picture of it. And so I did this full series. It's all black and white. But that was the look up to part. The other part was I was walking home from a concert and on there used to be a FedEx box in front of where J.C. Holdway is downtown. Uh -huh. And there was an empty pack of cigarettes that when I was going to the show, I noticed them. And when I came back, they were still there. So I took a picture of it 
and I I use this phrase: somebody done lost their smokes. <laughs> that's from Friday. Somebody yeah. done, and yeah. so I tagged that, and now I'm up to like fifty of those. <laughs> and so the look down with all these cigarette packs that I find everywhere. So I still have. That may be one of the pieces I do the drip thing on. Do it's it. one of yeah, those pieces. So I have a handful. So the funniest thing to me is I did that, and I probably had 12 pieces of each to where I got them printed at F32 photo. And I was like, hey, can I get some prints done? They're like, yeah, I found this form online. And I did it. And I went to pick them up. I was like, hi, I'm here to pick up my my prints. And they're like, what's your name? Joey Collins. They're like, you're the cigarette guy. And I was like, I am the cigarette guy. Yes, yes. I, I was am. so excited. And they're like, we've been talking about you for like a week. I was like, Yes. So, so parallel in my creative expression is that uh, I really enjoy patterns. And um, while you talk about that, I'm gonna stand up because I want to show you something I haven't. Yeah, seen. go ahead, I, and I and I'll elaborate. You bam. I, I, <laughs> I really enjoy patterns in the way that um, it entertains me to find things that are out of place in the grocery store. Oh, okay. And and I I say that these I, are. I say that these are decisions, and m- mostly of my Snapchat. Like I, I have a Snapchat. I'll post them here. I, I lost a login to the dedicated Instagram I had for this, so it, it shall continue on my Instagram, um, or continue on my Snapchat. But uh, I'll always find the picture. I'll take a picture and I'll say decisions, or I'll say this brand of store. This is where I'm at. Decisions, and decisions were made. Decisions were made. Yes, exactly. I have. And these things entertain me till no end, because in a in a in a marketing aspect, these patterns are given thought and energy and all the ways to make your wallet bleed. And I think it's so funny when somebody being human just disrupts this in some manner that no marketing person could have ever. So what I'm showing them is a pack of condoms on, on top, top of, of a, on top of beer. Is that it? Or on top uh, of co- soda? Uh, oh no, that is beer. So, so the pack of skin condoms on top of some shelved beer. But uh, the, it entertains me to no end to see these things randomized yeah. and disorganized in a way that the people that put them there would have never thought this yeah. was, you know. So, like, the picture you showed me with the mango on the shelf next to the can. Like, that's hilarious. Yeah. So I'm, It's funny I'm, that I work I'm, in marketing and design, and I love picking up. Oh, but the pattern breaking is the yeah. thing that gets my attention and then i'm entertained by the polarity of whatever the thing is where it shouldn't be and i especially i get a little mad when i see people put cold or frozen stuff not back where it's cold or frozen yeah. i'm just like you sons of bitches there's a friend of mine zach <laughs> miles that works at the oh shit i maybe should not mention no, his no. name <laughs> no Alleg- he, may he allegedly not. is employed by <laughs> but he there's a certain place he works and I will take pictures of that. And I was in there one time and showed it to him. And it was something that was frozen that was sitting out. And he was like, son of a bitch. We got to throw that away. Yeah, exactly. And he was like, damn it. And I was like, oh, shit. I didn't even think about the impact that that had. Right. Because it's always just funny to me. Right. Yeah. yeah. But they have to go waste control that or whatever yeah. it is. Um, but, yeah, those things heavily entertain me. So then, so I got patterns wrong. Because <laughs> I keep drawing, like, patterns like this. Yeah. And kind of a Zentangle thing. And I co-started this group. The I call it the Knoxville Society of Illustrators. <laughs> I with, like it. With Sounds Rachel, very formal. With Rachel Travis. That's how I met Esther, the aforementioned Esther. And I can't draw like everybody else in there. Everybody else in there is an amazing illustrator. I can't draw. 
but I keep having this. This is something I did years ago where I was drawing like a self portrait and I did like these patterns to make the beard. Yeah. To fill out the beard. And I, the other night I was like, I need a new project for this year to work on. And I was like, what if I drew all this stuff around and then figured out what the center would look like? Yeah. And go it, for it. it started, I got to about right here and I was like, that kind of looks like a flower. I was like, so I will finish all this out and then I will go in a different pen and draw the flower or I'll take this, scan it, put it in Illustrator and redraw it. That was my other thought. I'm here for that. Um, the, the, uh, the other thing that I think of when I see that particular image is that that seems very meditative. Yeah. Uh, it, drawing things like that, in my opinion, are very freeing for the mind. And uh, asking people where the zen or the flow state is in their workflow is uh, is a question that's important to me because it's something that happens in my workflow yeah. and in my creative practice. So I like to poke around and see where that happens or if it happens in other people's creative practices. It's also, I think my brain goes 5 million miles a minute. So I would be sitting in meetings at work and doodling. And there would be times where it was almost like teacher student thing where one, the person leading the meeting would be like, Hey, you're not paying attention. What do you, what did you just say? I was like, we've got to move this many units by this quarter this amount of profit on it and this and 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 they've been like all right there's like i need to draw this to hear what you're saying right and and then nobody ever asks you sideways again right yeah no no (laughs) no well it would be funny because it'd be a year or two later and the new employee would be in there a new director would be in there and that would happen it would just be like everybody else around knows yeah they're just like hold on hold on what's gonna happen yeah 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 oh that's great but uh it's do you outside of that particular image do you find zen or flow state in your creative process kind of kind of i i think it's there's a lot of times where i have a crap ton of ideas and actually sitting down and zoning out and just working on it is very meditative but also there's a lot of times because i've worked with so much distraction over years to where i'll sit and watch a movie and do stuff like do my 36 days of type or work photos or whatever I need to do just because I know that it doesn't matter. Like I can do the two things at once, but like if I have to write, like I need to turn off podcasts. I need to turn on music with no lyrics. I need to hyper focus on that to get it right. Because that's a harder thing for me to do. If that makes sense. It does. Um, You know, you're not the first person that I've had say, you know, if I'm trying to really focus. I think Esther said that. If she's trying to really focus, she just turns on some some instrumental music. Yeah. And no words, nothing to really pull her attentions away from the thing she's actively trying to focus on. Which makes perfect sense. Um, I just can't say I have the same prerogative. (laughs) So, I mean, um, and... On the KAAMP, this is more of a conversation about, you know, the how creativity and its flow out from a person right. is is individual. I think it's cha- I think it's changed over the years. Like I think it took me until I was like in my mid thirties to call myself an artist. Because I did, sur- did you have a hard time like trying to feel justified with that title or I surrounded myself with a lot of people that were much better than me. And, and so and that felt like you didn't deserve nope. it or earn it or anything like nope. that, right? Not at all. And also, <laughs> so here's another fun fact. I am the only artist in my family. 
Now, my sister can probably claim, but she kind of doodles in her sketchbooks. That's not her job. That's not. She doesn't. It, it's something that kind of relaxes her a little bit. I'm the only artist in my family, and I'm the only one earning a living by making art. Right. That's a better way to put it. And my dad is a former truck driver. My mom worked for the phone company. My grandfather worked for the railroad. My uncles were both engineers and then a so a lot of postman. industry technical people or blue collar jobs yeah yeah and so me being a graphic designer does that just kind of like twist their brains sometimes when you tell them about they it? they did not understand if you ask my dad today what i did for a living he would say oh he does does like food menus and stuff like that <laughs> i haven't would designed you? a food menu in five years probably <laughs> If I tried to explain branding to him, it would break his brain. My father is uh, 60 years old, and when I talk to him about uh, working through things by working on a painting, he's just, I don't get it. Oh. And, oh, they don't, they don't, they, but God love them. They, right. I, it, I've Tries had, to understand. I think four art shows, and they made it to, I think, three of those. The, the one they didn't is I was part of a bigger group. And I only had like a little booth and I didn't even tell them, but any of the other, <laughs> any of the other ones, they've totally been there and supportive. Didn't make sense. Once I got a job, like, like I said in the other one, my dad and mom were very dad, more easy to pick on me yeah. and be a little rough. On, never hit me or anything like that. Never, but was very like, why ain't you got a job boy? Like that kind of shit. And once I actually earned a living there, there was a a flip switch on a little bit of respect. Yeah. And that's kind of grown over the years to where we'll be out in public and somebody will start talking to me. And it's like, oh, hell they're talking. Hey, that person talking to him. Like he knows what the hell he's doing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, dad. But then on the flip side, my mom, it's gone the opposite way. <laughs> Cause I'm really good at what I do not to be arrogant or, but I've been doing this 31 years. If I wasn't good at this, I should be an electrician. I should be a plumber. I should be doing something else. Something else. <laughs> I should be working in construction. But every once in a while, my mom will say something like, and I'll be like, you know, I'm like really good and respect. I've won awards. And she's like, that's adorable, honey. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, she is ruthless. Like, I'm just her kid, like, at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, that's I was like, true. I have a war. Oh, God, Mom. Okay. I love you, too, Mom. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Thanks. Although if she heard that, she'd be like, I didn't say... Yeah, you did. I, I remember. You have said adorable on more than one occasion, which is pretty brutal. Goodness. But yeah, like painting and stuff. Oh, I was going to go back to like, there were points where, I, you know, I work on the computer so much where I've tried. I had this idea of like, what I want to do is take watercolors and just throw down color and then let that dry and throw down more color and just do that a few times. And then whatever images I see, draw over that in Indian. Yeah, hand. yeah. And I would try that and I threw away, I'm sorry, I recycled more <laughs> paper to where I was like, I can't keep doing this. Because it was so debilitating. I was like, it's not working out. Or I would make one slight mistake and I'd be like, it's done. Done. It's because it's I, can't, up. I have no tattoos because if it's slightly off, I'll see it. I'll oh, see boy. It. I have tattoos. Okay. Not all of them are great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's something I have to come to terms with. <laughs> so that is something. It's not a perfectionism, but it's. I am my own worst critic. I will see the flaws. Um, it's and honestly, that particular topic is is one that I've had to come to terms with in my own creative expression. But 
everybody does that differently and it affects everybody's creative process differently. And how that pins you down or frees you in certain ways is, is a really enlightening way to peer into someone's brain about how they be creative because I, I try just to generally ignore that shit as much as possible, but some people really lean into it and find some insight in it. But I, I, I honestly try to just act like it doesn't exist and do whatever I want to do. Because, <laughs> because, and I'm surprised we got through our podcast without me mentioning one of, there are three names that I joke. Those like, you got to take a shot every time you hear me mention one of three names. On my pocket. Well, and, do, and, and should I, I have taken a shot? By no, now? and I haven't mentioned, but oh. I'm about to mention one. Well, we can rack them up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it's uh, Kevin Smith, the director. I, I, I'm a huge fan of his. So he once said this thing about like taking the. He got bullied a lot because he was fat. Yeah. When he was growing up, I got bullied a lot because I was fat. It was brutal. It was, you know, my dad and uncles picking on me that's one thing but people saying it meaning shit yeah. rough and being a kid's tough it was very bad and he would always he talked about one of his talks about he would make the joke about himself before they could make the joke about him so you're already desensitized to it when they say it so it doesn't yes. matter anymore I'm, you're taking the wind out of their sails yeah and i and i've subscribed to that logic as well because i would rather make the joke about me before anybody else yeah so, so it's all, like, all the bad shit that you could say i've already said so like when i bought this house we redid the floors but there was one spot in one of the bedrooms where you could tell a dog had peed there and no matter what we did it's still right a dry spot ironically enough and when I was given, when I had a housewarming, showing people through, my former boss, and I was like, yeah, and this, and we redid it. Oh, don't pay attention to that. She was like, stop. Stop pointing out the flaw. Right. Because no one else would see that. I was like, yeah, but yeah. I see that. Yeah, but then you brought it to somebody else's yeah. attention. But I, I want to say it before you can say it. Right. Because if you say it, it'll hurt me. That's the, that's the double-edged sword of that yeah. particular situation. So, yeah. So, Kevin Smith, he also, for anyone listening if you Google, if you YouTube, Kevin Smith, Life as an Artist. It's one of the best speeches ever. It's filthy. It's 15 minutes long, but he's talking about finding the why not people in your life as opposed to the why people. Right. And and that's that's having that vantage is such a luxury. Yeah. Because you don't know that's a thing you can look at problems from until you know that's a thing you yeah. can look at problems from. Uh, one, one of the metaphors I use in life is that uh, there are multiple lenses to the problem. Which one works best for you or yeah. which one is most fruitful? And creativity is a lot the same way. I, you know, In the larger scheme of things, mathematics and music and science are all the same, or all lenses on the same problem. Each one of them just attacks the issue in a different yeah. way. Um, but I also look at like, in that vein of something he said in that speech was, it costs nothing to encourage an artist. Absolutely not. So that's like, I'm not going to pat myself on the back or anything when it comes to Esther. I'll keep mentioning Esther. Esther is a very talented young woman. And there's part of me, because I grew up with a sister that's 11 and a half years younger than me, that always wants to talk to Esther and say, hey, you need to keep doing this. You need to keep, you're doing a good job. You need to, to keep reinforcing that because everybody has their down moments. And it's the same thing of, I don't like when I have down moments. Right. So I'm going to try and make other people not have down moments. Like, and 
you know what? And, and there are plenty of days where I've been set up in public and not made a sale, but yeah. hearing people tell me that they like something yeah. is, is just as enriching as having that money in my pocket. Yeah. And, yeah. and sometimes more valuable. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's that's one of the ways life can be really funny because uh, I, I hope as we sit here that you realize that you are rich in ways that money cannot quantify. Yeah. And I am also rich in ways money cannot quantify. Because you also don't know what somebody else is going through in their financial situation and whether they can afford something or not. Like... Especially like going through the pandemic and having a rough time just trying to make ends meet. Man, everybody had a rough time. Yeah, and... Well, well, all the normal people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> you know, setting up or being somewhere and having somebody, having somebody enjoy something, even though they may not be able to fiscally support you, but, but, they but were there able, are other ways they to They were able to see it and experience it in some yeah. way. Maybe they weren't able to take it home, but they still got to experience it. Well, this is my buddy, Adam Kennedy again, cause I have to mention last names all the time. <laughs> well, you've been put on the spot for yeah, that. Yeah. He, he and I talk about all the time. It's like, it doesn't, it takes three seconds total to go share to stories. Click. Yeah. Like, and it's like yeah. so many people are so targeted or anal or about, or I'm only going to share something that's, that can benefit me. Like, screw you. You don't get to be part of the community at that point. Well, and then you get all up to you about algorithm this, algorithm that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's a whole separate can of worms. Well, um, yeah, the video I watched today, there's a social media person that she was, she did a three-step TikTok, which is like nine minutes long. She took the full three minutes for all three. And she was like, Instagram may be done. And we may have to just reckon with that. Because they just kind of screwed things up so much trying to chase the dollars. Don't even get me started on the steamy pile of shit that Instagram has become lately. And I honestly, I, I won't go further than saying this. I used to really enjoy that platform. Oh yeah. hundred percent. So, so now there are alternatives that I use. I post, I post more on Reddit now. I post okay. on, uh, Tusky or Mastodon. I post there. Um, there, there are very few mass media, alternatives that have the same reach but you know what i like reddit a lot i'm on there a lot i so don't I, mind one bit posted on reddit <laughs> i'll give you i'll give you a nickel's worth of free advice that i found out about this happened about five years ago is that a nickel with interest <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh email yeah do email and here and do it consistently and here's what the marketing person said said it's not about making a sale. Cause she was talking about more like products, like the jewelry or something. Mm -hmm. She's like, it's not about making a sale. Every email you send, it's about four months from now, after you've sent that email four months in a row, somebody going, wait, I need this. Oh, wait, I get that email. It's, I call it, I may have coined this. So I'm going to say trademark at the end of this <laughs> latent marketing. Cause I feel like it's just, you're doing something consistent. Excuse me. You're doing something consistently. And then it will affect you, not every time, but on down the line. Right. And that makes perfect sense <clears throat> in, in the context of that label. Um, I don't so much have an email list, but I have a private or a public Facebook group that I've yeah. started up. That yeah. I, I've And honestly, the way I've seen groups be used on Facebook, let's get some nerdy little SEO chat here real quick. I feel like 
uh, public and private groups on Facebook are uh, a more direct and consistent way to reach your audience than like a random Facebook post on your personal wall or your or your yeah. page yeah. versus an Instagram post. So that's why I started that recently is I wanted a more consistent um, pool to, to post to. Which is know? hilarious because like four years ago, Facebook tried to get rid of groups. They deleted the app. They deleted all of that. And it was like, now it's like, hell, group usage is through the roof. Yeah, and, and I see uh, other artists that are... Um, let's let's say uh far more wide reaching than myself use using them to to you know using them effectively yeah and uh and i, and I don't mean that in a way that they post things and instantly get sales i mean they have a really good engagement with their audience right and um it's it's good to see that that works for people it's encouraging yeah uh, there, there's, yeah. I haven't, I haven't mentioned a fella in a hot minute, but Rob Mack out of Australia, he's, he's a, a, a dot art artist. He makes really large scale mandalas out of dots and brushstrokes. Oh, okay. Huge inspiration of mine. Wonderful human being. I would love to fly across the oceans and, and meet him. Um, I give him a big old hug, <laughs> but, uh, but he, he, uh, he operates his Facebook groups in a way that work really well for his engagement of yeah. his community. And it's, it's, it's good to see that it works. I get, I get, I think I'm in more marketing groups. I'm in like three or four different marketing groups. I get more frustrated with the, Hey, I know this marketing group is focused on this, but why don't you come over and come to my meeting group? I was like, don't, don't do that. Don't, yeah, you're trying to put me in another circle. Yeah, <laughs> don't try to fish people out of my group. And there's one person I'm thinking of in particular that keeps doing that in one meetup group. I'm like, stop doing this. Stop doing this. Stop doing this. Snooze that person yeah. for 30 days. Which I got to look. I I am not the owner of that group, but I may still be a moderator of that group. I may have I, to go. I, like, I listen, if people in there are doing some fuck shit, I will happily report your ass. Uh, but, yeah, but it's also the same thing of like, do that in a more general group. Don't right. do that in here. Right. We all know why we're here yeah. specifically because that's the intent of this little gathering. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the weird thing. So the Knoxville Society of Illustrators has just been a private group chat on Instagram forever because we didn't want to leave it open. It's in the beginning we were meeting at Rob and Rachel's studio. Right. And now it's like... Rachel, unfortunately, cannot be more involved So it's back on me. I was like, holy crap, I don't want to be running into something <laughs> again. I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make it. And I've been talking to Esther and Rachel and be like, hey, I'm going to make this go public because I'm tired of showing up and it being two of us. I was like, I want people to actually show up. And we're right. going to shift nights so that that Wednesday night knocks draw crowd can potentially come. I was like, I'm going to actually push it out. So I, I, I will say. Huh? I miss Knoxville. It's been a hot minute since I've been. I, I I I really enjoy the individuals that run that. So I should be having them on the podcast soon. Uh, Lola Ju and Jared, or or one or the other. Uh, so a little behind the scenes, and I think I told Jared this. I would rather have them separate, and the only reason I say that is because it's two episodes of the podcast. <laughs> right. Yeah. And but uh, the, but I think Jared's pushing more for a group. Jared was one of my first five episodes, and I, I I enjoy him. He's he's a he's a he's a fun guy. But a little so a little behind the scenes is, I have been on thirty plus nonprofit boards or executive committees, 
and I used to be communications chair, and then I was president of AIGA Knoxville for four years. And that about broke me. <laughs> Having to shoulder all of that weight, I kind of didn't want to take on Knox Illustrators on my own. But now that it's all me, I'm the kind of person that's like, well, if it's all on me, then I'm either going to completely stop this or I'm going to go. Yeah, you're going to I'm going to Kool-Aid. I'm going Kool-Aid man through the damn wall. Yep. Like, I can't. What is it? Ron Swanson said, never half-ass two things, whole-ass Whole-ass ass one thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah whole-ass one thing. That's well, you, If you whole-ass this one thing, I'll be enthused. Okay, okay. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. It it certainly can be. Like, once the ball gets kicked and things yeah. roll, it, it can be strange. Um, for example, like the reason we're having this conversation. That's right what I'm now. saying. I keep I keep trying not to take over the conversation. I'm oh, so used shit. to my my episode. Well, I mean, we're both here doing the same thing. <laughs> we're just doing it together. Uh, I mean, all right. So I'll I'll let you answer this, and then I'll answer this for you since we kind of didn't ask this in the other one. Okay. Um, why did you even start podcasting in the first place? So I have a good answer. I, I, you know what? I, like five minutes ago, I was like, man, I should have asked him, like, do you have a, a podcast? Here, everybody's going to listen to this in tandem. Everybody listens to mine is going to listen to yours. And everybody who's listening to yours is going to listen to mine. I meant to ask you, did you have a guest that is a dream guest? And you, the oh, Australian guy. Dream guest. Oh, man, I would love to talk to Rob. I really would. And honestly, um, uh, Ben Adams was also a dream oh, guest. I know Ben. Uh, I'm not surprised by this. <laughs> not all. Not at all. Um, ben, when I first, uh, so when ben, when ben had his life drawing group down yeah. at his studio, uh, that period of my life artistically was very, very um, violent and chaotic in the best way. Okay. I was doing all sorts of things, and uh, that little social circle really informed the next like four years of my creative life because uh that's where i met lola and jared that's where i met a lot of other creative people that have uh, that i've bounced off of in knoxville creative society over the last i don't know six years or so and i've met some people in these social circles that i am still really good friends with and i am immensely grateful for all the things that came out of this little social interaction with, with Ben and that social circle yeah. in his studio. Um, <clears throat> but you know, he, just, I'm laughing cause he would constantly try to get me to come. I'd be like, I can't draw for shit, man. I'm it, not it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I know it's that you were there and you were trying. And it's funny that you mentioned that. So the other Ben and Ben, the Ben's Ben uh, Hubbard, Ben Adams, the village marketing group. So I met them through Twitter and we used to have a weekly meetup at La Esperanza. And, and you know Ben Fields as well, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> at Ben Fields? The, the, the world of Ben's in my life yeah. is ever increasingly shrinking. So Ben Fields, Ben Adams, Ben Hubbard, uh, Andrew May. Like, there's this laundry list of dudes. And a lot of them named Ben. Yeah. The, the, we all, we, although there's one guy named Brian. I was like, man, that's, you're close enough. But we would meet at La Esperanza once a week. Just to have tacos. And it was, I met that circle and they were all mostly app and web developers. Yep. And so that went on for a long time. Well, that, I'm, I'm well, happy that the world is small in this way. Yeah. Oh, I always joke. So here's a story I didn't tell 
on the other episode. So we got some exclusive tie over content yeah. here. <laughs> so this goes along with my making friends with at cigar people. <laughs> I I did not. I'm sure I did not coin this, but I always say it's an Oxville thing. I feel like anybody you talk to, you can find one to two steps away from that person. So the six degrees of Kevin Bacon scenario is what you're talking but about. But in Knoxville, it's like one to two. So, so what I was going to say is, sorry. No. And we'll go back to why I had started podcasting. So keep a keep a pin in whatever yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Why we started. Uh, I was I I was on the baseball trip, went to Chicago, went into the cigar shop, and they're like, "You can't smoke in here. You have to go sit out on the sidewalk." Or sit up on the stoop of the building next door. That's cool. <laughs> the stoop. So, so, I, so I walk out, and as mentioned in the other one, I grew up being the only white person around. So there was a group of white dudes and a group of black dudes. I went and sat with the group of black dudes. And I'm sitting there, and there's this dude sitting on the stoop, and I'm sitting on a chair. And I, like, bummed a lighter from somebody else because I didn't bring my, and a cutter. I didn't bring right. my gear. And the dude sitting there clocking me on the stoop, he's like, you're not from here. I was like, no, sir. Oh, shit. <laughs> I ain't from here. And he was just like, where are you from? I was like, well, I'm from Tennessee. He's like, which part of Tennessee? And I was like, East Tennessee. He's like, wait, where in East Tennessee? I was like, Knoxville. He's like, my cousin is a landscape, owns a landscaping company. I was like, oh, you mean Deirdre? And he looked at me. He's like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> the world got real small. And, uh, and he was like, he was like, what do you, how? What? And I was like, I'm on the business advisory council for the city. I met Deirdre for the first time last week. How many female black owned landscape companies do you think there are? There's the one. It's yeah, Deirdre. Right. And he was just laughing. But the whole time I sat there, he was like, I, I don't understand what happened. I was like, dude, it's a Knoxville thing. I can't explain it. And and I and I wholeheartedly agree because this town is big yeah. enough for you to go do your own thing, yeah. but small enough to know a good circle of peers. It's either the smallest big city in the world or the biggest small town in the I world. I think it's the biggest small town. Yeah. I really, really do. Because I've never called Knoxville a big city. I've always called it just a big town. Yeah, yeah. And that's always the logic that's been in my head about it. So another PS. So there came a point where the group of white dudes broke up and one of the dudes came over and he looked at me and he's like, so Tennessee, huh? What you know about moonshine? I was like, well, I flavor my own moonshine. And he looked at me and he's like, what the hell? I was like, Dude, I am every stereotype you can ever imagine. <laughs> All rolled into one. <laughs> and he was just like, really? I was like, dude, I've made like 20-something flavors. I was like, if I drove up here, you're, I'm damn surprised I didn't bring some apple pie with me. Yeah, I'll right. give you some apple pie before you leave. Much appreciated. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. So why I started the podcast. Yeah, why you started the podcast. Right after that, so my friend, Sean Pointner and Dale Mackey owned the Central Collective on Central, which is where Knox Draw is and all that now. So we were sitting up on the deck. Which is a wonderful deck. Oh, it's amazing. I love it. So we're sitting up there, and it's Sean and this guy, Joachim Schmidt, who I would say have on, but I love you, Joachim, but you're going to clam up. I had an an art episode, and I had Sean and Joachim and David Harmon on, and Joachim didn't say anything the entire four-hour podcast. Oh, my goodness. Then the minute it was over... He started talking. He started talking. I was like, you dickhead. You dickhead. <laughs> but he is an artist, but he also is from Boston, and he used to hang art for rich people, and he also curated a, a gallery. Nice. But he and Sean and I were up there, and we were talking about art, and we sat up there for six hours talking about nothing but art. And then the next night, 
excuse me, Sean and I are back, and Sean is buddy Lance Didrick and I. And Lance goes, I'm thinking about getting into astronomy. And I was like, cool. And we talk about that for a minute. And like five minutes later, I was like, holy shit, dude. I thought you said astrology. So the whole time <laughs> I'm thinking, why the hell are you getting into fucking course? So was he, was he doing astrophotography or what? No. Lance was getting his PhD in English at UT. Why he got into astronomy, I still don't know. Yeah, that's a scholarly jump. But the next night... Or the next day, I was like, I can't keep having these conver- interesting conversations without recording it. Because I'd been, because <laughs> I had been, so <laughs> podcasts came into my life when iTunes first came out. A lot of the podcasts were song of the day from like KEXP. Yeah. And the only one that was long form was Creative Screenwriting Magazine with Jeff Goldsmith. But huh. but, but then I, I can tell you, I can pinpoint it. I got an iPad. And when I got the iPad, pulled up iTunes, the first image was Mark Maron and Robin Williams. And he had interviewed Robin Williams. It was episode like 40-something or 50-something. And I was like, I love Robin Williams. Oh, that was, that was What the Fuck with Mark Maron? Yeah, that, that's the name of his piece. Yeah. So it's like, I have to listen to that. And so I listened to it, and it was wonderful. And then that is a great episode because it's like 10 minutes of leading up him going, holy shit, I'm going to go interview Robin Williams. Mm-hmm. And there's all this stuff about him stealing jokes from other people, just all this crazy stuff. So he was like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> and then it goes to him interviewing him. It's a great interview. But then I went back and listened to every episode of WTF up to that point, And I've not, not I've taken it back. I've missed a few episodes because there have been some people I was like, I don't want to hear him interview this person. Yeah. They're not a good person. I don't care. But then that got me into listening to Never Not Funny, Jimmy Pardo. Second name, second shot. Jimmy Pardo. Is the, there are three names. Jimmy Pardo, Kevin Smith, and Burt Kreischer. Those are the three. Huh. So that, That's a mix. That is a mix. <laughs> so it got me to listen to all those. And from there, like I listened to Rogan. And the other days, I don't listen to him anymore. I haven't listened to him in three and a half, four years. So I think he's a giant. It's funny how that's a Hold societal marker. sure my mic is picking That's up. a societal marker nowadays. Uh, I think he's a giant pile of shit <laughs> that I will not listen to him. Just same thing as I love Chappelle. I won't watch Chappelle. And I am, I am, I'm very stubborn. Yeah, that's am, fair. And with both of them, I would have a hard, I got God, why does my mic keep cutting? Son of a bitch. Uh, I would have a hard time if I ever met either one of them face to face and not calling them a piece of shit to their face. Because they are. They're both pieces of shit. But yes, that is a marker. That's the way where I stand. Uh, but I would listen to Rogan or Ari Shafir. I, I, I like Ari. And they would talk. They would talk. Ari kind of did that where he would approach a topic and talk to somebody. And I had those two conversations like, I have too many interesting friends. I've got to do this. And then once I did it, I was like, holy shit. I recorded, the first time I recorded, I recorded three episodes in one day. And it was three hours, <laughs> two hours, and two and a half hours. And it was Aaron Donovan about mountain, mountain biking in the Czech Republic. Amy and Adam Kennedy about they had just gone on a mission trip to Brazil, I think. Cool. And then the third one was with Adam talking about friendships in the age of social media Mm, that's a good one i like that so uh and it's just kind of the the mark maron thing not missing a monday like 
I, I've posted an episode once every two weeks ever since then. It's been five years and I'm at, I don't say this to brag. It just blows my mind. I, I just passed like 77,000 downloads. Nice. And the only place I ever post it is on my own social media. I'm like, I don't know how I lucked into this, <laughs> but I think it's just consistency in time. I, you know, like we were talking about earlier, I try to do bi-weekly, but you know, sometimes life gets crazy right? and I don't, I don't, I don't have a ton in the can. I don't have a big backlog of files I could just throw out because that's just kind of right. the way I go about planning this and, yeah. and making it happen. But, uh, there's only been a couple of times in the three years now that I've been doing this. This is, this episode right now will probably be episode six or seven of season three, which is, you know, the third year I've been doing this. And I've, yeah. I've, I've put out one episode a month, maybe twice Okay, in the three years and a couple months I've been doing okay. this, which I feel really okay with. I've only missed a Monday because I publish every other Monday. I've only missed a Monday like three times. Well, you know, and well, and it wasn't my fault. Like one, well, one of them was my fault <laughs> because these are really long episodes. And I went over my limit on Libsyn, and they will not allow you to just pay like $2 more to get more space. So I ended up like, well, uh, the first is on Wednesday, so I'm going to release this on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, you know, sometimes the bi-weekly, sometimes it's the first and the third weekend. Yeah. Sometimes it's the second and the fourth. Sometimes it's the first and the fourth. Like, But I generally try to hit two a month in well, some sometimes form or fashion. Sometimes it's three in a month. Well, I, I, I try to just stick to two oh, okay. unless I have something special or I was able to p- schedule another one extra or something like that. And I've been known to do a bonus episode and just okay. slide them in there sometimes. Okay. Um, uh well, that's what's hindered me on the, the movie podcast. The second podcast I want to do is I want to release it weekly, but I also want to do a Patreon and have a second episode every week. Oh, so you're trying to do twice the work and get paid half as much. Yeah. Well, no, it's... Well, like I said, I've already got like 25 episodes recorded. Well, I mean, yeah. And that one's a lot more focused. Like, it's an, it's an hour or less, and it's just like, what is your favorite movie? What is your favorite slept-on film? And we will talk through that. Oh. But the... Bonus episode. Oh, you got. Oh, oh, you got. Boy, you want to talk about slept on movies real quick? I was going to say, but you may real have quick. to hold on to it to be on an episode. But it's uh, the bonus episode. Originally, I was going to do film commentary with somebody, but trying to get somebody I, to sit down to let's do. Let's go. Film, I'm here for film okay. commentary. Let's go. <laughs> so I may do one of those like a quarter or something. Can we do uh, the the uh, Tim Burton Batman? Can we do it? Yeah. Can we do it? All right. Yeah. Oh, man. Count me so in. <laughs> so, but I've thought about it. I was like, man, I don't need to do all that. When I used to show the films, I would do factoids before and after the film. I was like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do movie news. I'm going to, here's stuff to look out for. Here's a film a week you should watch. And here's, you know, I'm going to just do a bunch of information where it's like 15 to 20 minutes. It's yeah. just me talking. I'm going to try to make it as, uh, little work as possible i may actually have to say hey guess what you're going to hear some flubs and some gaps because right. i'm not editing this right. thing and and uh you know like i was talking earlier about the sense of place yeah i try not to edit stuff too much i want people to hear the flow of the conversation because yeah. some things you know sometimes they ebb sometimes they flow some parts are faster with more rapid fire idea exchange yeah. and some things are a little bit 
slower moving and really articulate about one thing or the other. And I try not to molest that too much because I, as a listener, know what I enjoy, and I enjoy that. Yeah. So I don't want to alter that when I find a piece of media and a conversation that do that. So yeah. I really try. You know, I want things to sound good, but I'm not ever going to chop up the conversation. Yeah. And, and I try not. Son of a bitch, man. All you're going to hear on this episode is me cussing at his microphone. Cussing at my microphone that is having some kind of issue. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, let's see, dear listener at home. <laughs> let's see if did, that helped Did that at fix all. anything? I don't know, because I keep butting with it. Anyway, slept on film. Slept on film. So we were talking about Kevin Smith, and honestly, I'm a huge fan of the movie Tusk. And I know it is a very polarizing film, and I know it is getting a sequel. But uh, I really enjoy that weird-ass creepy movie. Because it's a weird-ass creepy movie. I... Go ahead, say it. You hate this movie. No, 80% 80 like that movie. So, spoiler alert for anybody listening at home. This movie's been out for years, y'all. Catch up. Two slight issues with that film. I don't like that Haley Joe Osment and the woman had an affair. That bothered me for whatever reason. Because it just seemed to like, what are we doing here? Like, what is what's happening? That bothered me for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not necessary to the story. No. And the other thing is, I think the suit looks stupid. <laughs> of course it does. But I think... But I think everything else is played so seriously. Well, I, I also think that Kevin Smith understood the lens of campy that I he guess. needed. Yeah. I feel as if those design decisions for that specific prop were made because that's the aim they were going for. Yeah. And also, you know what? As a special effects group of people, I'm sure they appreciated that. That it yeah. didn't have to be too crazy or too perfect or... You know, I guess. But I understand that criticism. It's a valid criticism. I, I kind of agree. So if we're going in the Kevin Smith oeuvre, because I think... <laughs> Here we go. I think Clerks, Chasing Amy, and Dogma already get their flowers. So I would yeah, ne- I would never pick one of those three. For me, it's Red State. Red State, Red State, is, Red State is slept on real hard. Red State is probably in my top 25 of, the, of that 20-year period. Like, cause it is ridiculous how good, and he actually talked, I've heard him talk about, cause of course I have <laughs> the making of that film and how, when he was writing the script, anytime he thought he got to a place where somebody could figure out, he went a completely different direction. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. Love that. And I love that film. And I've got friends who do not, do not like Kevin Smith films well, who I, love that film. Most of my friends absolutely loathe Tusk. And, it, yeah. and that makes me love it even more. <laughs> so I saw Tusk in the theater. I like, did too. Yeah. And uh, I remember listening to Fat Man on Batman when the idea of Tusk became... Smodcast. Smod- was it Smodcast? Yeah. Okay. Because so, it was him and Scott. But yeah. I remember listening to this conversation where he's like, oh, fuck, I should make that a movie. And uh, then, I think I did hashtag Walrus Yes. Like, I, yeah, I was in <laughs> So, so the fact that I was there from beginning to seeing the movie, yeah. you know, that little journey was really cool. But it's also like his statement about being an artist. Like I quote the making of that film all the time and saying he wanted to make it because he wanted to see it. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit if anybody else wants to see it. He's like, I want to make this a thing. And, and, and in my own creative drive, that's. Why I, specifically a lot of the jewelry things or ornamental yeah. things that I make, I've never seen before. And I want those specific things because I want them and I've never seen them before. 
Well, and it's like, so this, not to go back, not to be Saul obsessed, or, but the drip idea. It's something that was in my head, and I was like, I have to get this the hell out of yeah, my head. Yeah, exactly. I can't. I was like, I don't give a shit if nobody gets it. I don't give a shit. I don't know that. I but but at that it. point, it's not for them. It's no. for you. Yes. And the creative process of getting this from your brain to your fingertips is the part that is important to you. Yeah. And that, to me, you know, looking at people's creative expressions, that's the friction I want to explore. Not so much I've shared it with people and this is what they think or yeah. react to it. Because I come at. I try to imagine if I was the person trying to produce these works of art, what would be the frictions or the sticking points or the workflows that I would use to do this thing and what would be in my head if I was doing the thing. So I try to put myself in the artist's shoes sometimes and I totally understand what it's like to have an idea beaten on the front of your eyebrows to like get the hell out of your brain yeah. and filter itself down through your fingertips. And that whole scenario is in my creative work and exploring other people's creativity is really the interesting part. And it's the weird thing of like, I've had a few times this happened, like the cigarette packs, the look up, look down thing. There was one of my buddies, Tommy, who's an in incredible illustrator, Tommy Smith, <laughs> King metal, Tommy on Instagram. Although he never draws anymore. And it drives me bonkers. Tommy, if you're listening, please draw more. But he, at one point, just we were out having beers and he's like dude the cigarette packs i absolutely love it every time you post one and that's why i keep posting them and then another guy like i did that 36 days of type and i was like this is just an an exploration to get me better at illustrator more comfortable on yeah. the fly and more comfortable doing things quickly i like doing things efficiently and all of a sudden he was this other guy uh amos oaks who runs whatever CTV is called now, it's called like Knoxville community media. And he's an artist, a painter him, an artist himself. And he was leaving our group one night and he was like, Hey man, those, those pieces, the type, I really like that. If you ever do an exhibit or ever print those and sell those, please tell me because yeah. I would like to have one. And, and I was like, Oh shit, I've just been doing this stupid thing for myself. Right, yeah. And that's and I was like, <laughs> and that's all I need to hear. I was like, okay, I'm gonna keep doing this because right. he liked it. Yeah. That's all and, I need. And I, and, and the, to go one beyond that, sometimes my friends or people that follow me on Snapchat will be out and about and see something at the grocery store and be like, ha ha decisions and send me the thing. And I'm just like, thank you so much. So I, I have it. so many of those. I'm going to do a guest post on my Instagram where it's like, Oh, I, these are all for my friends. I take user submitted photos. <laughs> In fact, same thing. Zach sent me uh, something the other day where it was like a DVD or a CD sitting out in the in the uh, parking lot. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is beautiful. So I I did the cigarette packs. I do the decisions are made. But I've also done like when I see bottles or anything left out in public, I'll just be like somebody lost their uh, Gatorade bottle. I, I'll post those too. Yeah. But I number those ones different. But. Yeah. If I see if I see specifically fast food trash, yeah, I'll be like, "Hey, Wendy's, come get your shit," <laughs> or "Hey, McDonald's, get your shit together." So here's a fun project that Pointner and I were talking about. There was one point. He's a photographer. He's a Pulitzer-nominated photographer. He's awesome. Great dude. He was wanting to do a fast food series where he would go to a fast food restaurant and get an entire. I'm trying to. I think I'm remembering this correctly. Get an entire meal, photograph it. And then eat everything in the remainder of the trash, take a 
photo of that. I'm here for that. And that led to, so I haven't had fast food in 18 years. So there was one night while we were chatting, should have recorded this, where he, <laughs> we, we were pulling together what would, if I decided tomorrow I'm going to do fast food, what would I get? Because I wouldn't go to one place. I would go to multiple places. Oh, you would have to go full on, right? Oh, yeah. I would go crazy. And and then it delved into, if I ate as many crystals as I used to, would my stomach explode out of my asshole? I think it would. I think it would. Because <laughs> I have not had crystals in so long, my stomach would not know how to handle Man, it. Man, it's been... Let me. I'm trying to think last time I had a crystal. It's probably been... Two and a half months since I had a crystal sandwich. I miss it. I do miss it. I just can't do it. I can't. I was stubborn. I. Well, I mean, that's, that's, I don't eat out a whole lot, but, uh, my work meals can get kind of shitty sometimes. <laughs> so I, I do say like, I, I, when I went to Atlanta, I was posting photos and one of my buddies commented and said, are you on like statins or something? And I was like, no, I eat baked chicken, corn and peas. 99 times out of 100 so that I can eat crazy stupid shit whenever else whenever else yeah so even like one of my favorite places is Jackie's Dream and also Inskip Grill and both of them are crazy food and uh, I'm also on the menu at both of those (laughs) I love that's one of my proudest accomplishments that you're on the menu at Jackie's Dream and Inskip Grill okay so it has to be both of them no, I am on both. No, I mean the 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 you're proud of this is because it's both of them. Because it's both of them. <laughs> well, then I'm on any menu, but the fact that I'm on both because but Jackie, like there was one year where my mom said for Christmas, uh, please don't go to Jackie's Dream as much as you normally oh do. Oh my god! Because I would go three times in like forty eight hours. Like I would go a lot. So in skip so hers, I discovered Jackie when she had been open like a week. I somehow just saw a picture on Instagram and I went. Gotta go. And I went and she used to have this sign, handwritten sign that said like small dark, large dark, small white, large white. And I walked in with people I worked with. Please tell me you went in there for a large white. So I went in there. No, (laughs) no. I pointed at it and I looked at the people I worked with. I was like, look, I'm already on the menu. And so Miss Jackie stopped counting at 400 people that I had sent in there. Oh my God. Or that had seen my photos and went, or I had went asked to go with me. She was like, you are almost a co-owner at this point. <laughs> so there was a point where I redid her menu and jokingly for the large white, I put in parentheses or I put the Jody large white. And I was like, I did that. It's a joke. She's like, oh no, I'm keeping it. <laughs> she was like, you should actually have a plaque at one of the tables because right. you, you've done so much. So same thing, Justin at Inskip Grill, Justin Wiseman, because I can't, she's Miss Jackie, but Justin Wiseman. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, I found him like a weekend of being open and I went and, yeah. and people wanted to go with me and I sent people yeah. and he was like, I don't know who the hell you are, but I'm about to say a Knoxville I'm about thing. To give you, I'm about to give you a sandwich. <laughs> I'm about to give you a Knoxville thing though. So there was one point like a year and a half in, he was like, man, he was like, I had like five different types of pork and I was like, what kind of sandwich can I make with, what can I call? Oh, I'm calling this my business name, Feral Giant. He's like, this is the Feral Giant. If anybody can appreciate this, it's Jody. <laughs> and I was great. like, that's the greatest thing ever. That he was like, this is a monstrosity of a sandwich. Like, oh, Feral Giant. Like before he finished. <laughs> so Justin, like a year and a half in, he was like, 
are you Big Jody that used to live on Washington Pike? I was like, I think there's only one Big Jody in this town. So, right, yeah. So, yeah. And he was like. It's a big town, not oh, a small city. There's yeah, one Big Jody. Yeah, and he was like, <laughs> he was like, he's like, oh, shit. He was like, I know who you are. It turns out my best friend in high school, he used to date my best friend's sister. And we went the only time. God, this is all. Everything is a story with me. The only time I ever got grounded in my life was the summer between high school and college. And that's late to get grounded. Yeah, I was a good kid. I was <laughs> I was shit scared of my dad. I was shit scared of my dad. And I was also just a good kid that I I was also uh working at the ballparks, going to school, taking care of my little sister. Like I didn't have time to, to fuck around. around. Yeah. No. No. Oh, I had plenty of time and those stories are not going to be public. But uh I thought we were going to Gallenberg. My best friend Robbie, his sister Heather, Justin and I. Uh Robbie and Heather, Lopasser. I'm not gonna not mention last names. It's just a thing at this point. <laughs> I thought we were going to Gallenberg. Turns out they wanted to go to Opryland. And oh. I did not tell my parents. And I got to Opryland and Yeah, that's not Gallenberg at all. No. And we were coming back and he broke down in like cookful or crossful. Mm. And I had to call my parents and it was when caller ID had just come out. My dad's like, why does it say out of, out of town, out of whatever it said? Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. I was like, I don't well, know. Dad, here's the story. <laughs> no, I didn't tell him. <laughs> and then I finally, the next morning they were like, oh, it's going to take another couple of days. It's like, I'm getting on a bus. I got on a bus. Went to Greyhound. My dad and little sister picked me up. My dad did not say a word. I was like, oh, shit. So I get home. I walk up the stairs, and my mom had followed me up. She opened the door without knocking. She's like, so we know you're in, in Nashville. Uh, Robbie's mom called and told us you had broken down. And so here's the deal. You're grounded for a month, and that's how it is. And I was like, shit. And this was like the last month before college started. All right. So you were about to go like – yeah. Do the thing. No, and I still live with my parents through college. So that didn't really. But I miss seeing the Mavericks at the Tennessee Theater. And oh, I was like, no. I'll take another two weeks of being grounded. They're like, nope. I was like, damn it. I've been a good kid. This is the first. Right. This is some bullshit, mom. <laughs> so then the first, I can always remember this, August 20th, the first night that was the last, the end of my grounding. I had tickets to see Chris Rock at the Tennessee Theater. And so I went, and that's where I registered to vote. Because <sighs> I was still 17. And and my as I'm walking out the door, my mom was like, hold on. We got to talk about this. I was like, no, we do not. And I took off. <laughs> and I picked up Robbie, and we went and saw Chris Rock. There you go. But, yeah, so Justin is the boyfriend of Heather that got my ass grounded. <laughs> Damn it, Justin. So that's a very much a Knoxville thing. And it's like, of course he is. Of course, 20 years later, I run into this dude. Right. Oh, goodness. God, sorry. I've taken over. Um, All is well. Don't, you dare, don't you dare complain. Yeah. Um, so what are some inspirations uh, artistically, stylistically, that uh, twofold question. Okay. That inspire you in general and then the inspirations that sort of filter into your work. I hate to be lame and say traveling. Why is that lame? Tell me right now. Why is that lame? Because it, it feels like it's what everybody else says. But well, I think. Well, oh, no. Life experience. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the same thing of like. So when I worked for PetSafe for a bunch of years. And I got to afford the opportunity to go to conferences. So like I said, I grew up super poor. We only went to Myrtle Beach. I didn't get to travel as a kid. 
I've only been outside this country for two hours. Oh, side note. Other poverty vacation, Mammoth Cave, Kentucky. <laughs> oh, I forgot. One of our, every once in a while, we would get to go to Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg oh, for like three days. Yeah. Like that was a, a big deal when we got to do both in the same year. Like when my parents got their tax return, we would go to Ruby Tuesday at East Town Mall. Oh, that was eating oh, high on the hog. Shit in high cotton. Yeah. So there finally hit a point where I, when I was an adult where I was like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to leave. Because I, I stayed here to go like to college. you realized that you could do this and it's yes. a normal thing. And then when I went to PetSafe, they afforded me the opportunity to go to conferences. And it was like going and hearing other professionals speak and being around other creatives and professionals. It was like, I came back. I was like, we're changing everything. <laughs> like, I came to where my boss was like, you got to calm down. I was like, the fuck I do? We're changing everything. We're doing this side. We're doing things from here on out. And it was that. And it and I think it's also when you travel, you're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about any of that shit. Your mind is open to more. No. Yeah. And I try to go to museums as much as humanly possible. Uh how stuff fits into my work. I can't tell you I have a folder on in my Dropbox with thousands of screenshots. And it's I'll see something. Like I saw something the other day that it was a neon sign. And I was like, I really like the type on the motel. I bet I can make a font of that type. Yeah. I was like, that doesn't feel like I'm stealing. It's just like, it's this weird, thick-ass font that you don't see that often. And I was like, I'm going to eventually build that. I'm going to use that for something. So, so you're going to do the letters or the letters and zero through nine? Yeah, I would have to do z- everything. You would have to? Yeah. And I, oh, ampersand. Like I would, there are certain key elements. <laughs> But I would just build it in Illustrator and just use it for me. I wouldn't right. build it as a typeface for anybody else. Right. This is just for me. And because I've also tried that before and trying to figure out letter spacing is an absolute nightmare. So that's how stuff filters into my work. It's stuff I see to where I may look at, like, I'll use this as an example. Like that sticker, that Draplin sticker. Yeah. And I may be like, man, I really like how that book looks. How can I do something that looks like that, but is not just ripping that off? Right. Yeah. So I'll find like one little element. I found one to where it was same thing with type, not to hark on type, but it was like a photo somebody had taken of a person and there was a shadow and light. And that's why I liked it. But then I saw like a uh, ghost lettering of like a sign and it was in Spanish. I was like, I like how that type looks. I'm going to screen grab this because I, I like how that looks. That's a cool looking S. Yeah. or something so that's how yeah. stuff filters in my work i see stuff i'm like man i really like that idea how can i i hate people who copy but i don't mind taking a little bit and twisting it and remixing it yeah because i've got a book in there that i got when i was in college called everything reverberates mm-hmm. nothing is original everything reverberates just do something make it yours put your yeah. own stank on it that's some quality advice right there. You know, uh, there's there's a gentleman on all the old YouTubes. His name is Mark Rebier. Okay. And when he's done doing his thing on the internet, he'll he'll tell you to keep pooping on them. Keep pooping on. Keep them. pooping on them, and that's like his put stank on it. You know, keep pooping on. Okay. Them. And uh, hey. and I'm very entertained about telling that to people. <laughs> well, and it's so I've also come to realize something. God, I always forget this quote. And if I can, <laughs> if I can pull up this quote by the time I have. 
faith that you can do this. Let's see. Let's see how quick I can pull up this quote. I'm not going to time you. Holy crap. I just realized my phone is on like 5%. As I'm, I'm still not going to time you. As, as I'm doing this. <laughs> um, this is going to sound like a humble brag or sound like I'm uh, putting whatever. on Whatever. Fuck it. We know the context. Yeah. Everybody listening is aware of why you're telling us this. Uh, this kind of goes back to the uh, Kevin Smith thing. It costs nothing to be a decent person. True that. So when I see people being shitty for no reason, other oh, I found the quote. Look hey. how quick that was. Hey. But it's when I see people being shitty or being like, I'm only going to do stuff that benefits me. It drives me bonkers because I was like, you're not being a part of the community at large. Right. And fuck you. You don't get to be. It's the people who <laughs> bitch about Knoxville. And they're like, well, I don't like Knoxville because of this. I was like, then you need to do two things. You got three options here. You can help change that thing. You can leave or you can shut the fuck up. There is no continuing to bitch. You got those. And I gave that speech to my little sister. She was complaining about something. I was like, change it or leave. That's the only two options you got. You don't get to just keep bitching. What's a read the quote and then I'll. The quote is from Hasib Qureshi. And I was raising hell about somebody. And he said, I both love and hate that you don't allow people to fuck up. You hold them accountable. <laughs> That's the quote. Yeah, and it I, was, I, like I was bitching about somebody being shitty. And I was like, nah, nah, you don't get to be shitty around me. Right. And it's, I, I, I want more people to just be decent because it doesn't cost anything to be decent. Well, that, that didn't totally negate the thing I want to say. I saw a gentleman on Reddit. Yeah. Uh, in the Knoxville subreddit a couple of weeks ago. He was like, what is there to love about Knoxville? I've lived here for three years and blah, blah, blah. I ain't found nothing that I really enjoy. And everybody was like, yo, this is cool shit. And you're being a wiener. Like, yeah. you know, they pretty much called him out for having a, a, a no good attitude about living here. Yeah. And that when you got a no good attitude, your point of view is shit. And, you know, you're not going to find the things that you enjoy because you're being a sourpuss. Yeah. And, uh. You know, there were a lot of good recommendations of fun things to go do. Yeah. This has actually ended up being a very productive and informative thread on top of him getting called out for being a sourpuss. <laughs> so I was like, God, thank you, Knoxville, for this shining moment. For stepping up and yeah, not being yeah. shy. Well, that's like, I was sitting around, there was this group of, uh, God, yeah, fuck it, I'll say it, I don't care. <laughs> you get a lot of that when I talk. Uh, during the pandemic, something that really helped me out a lot was and it was pointer that sean pointer that started this we had the prayer circle every wednesday night we would sit around smoke cigars and drink and just bullshit and there was like six to eight of us but we all sat mutually you know good distance apart and we did it throughout the entire damn pandemic and we did shit like three of us were sitting there and one of the guys said you know pop music has made a comeback I was like, pop music has made a comeback so the next time we met up we had each picked like five songs and brought good speakers and played our songs. Yeah. And because I grew up with WWF and the championship belt, I won because the first <laughs> song I played, I the first song I played, they were like, Holy shit, this is good. I was like, you're goddamn right. This is good. And <laughs> every song I picked, they were like, Holy shit. The first, this child, C H I I L D pirouette. Great song. Listen to it. My friend Holly Tyler's the one who gave it to me. Uh, but we would sit around and do that. And one of the guys was like, when the food hall got announced, he's like, well, thank God. Because there are no good restaurants in this town. I was like, hold the 
fuck up. Uh, 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 no. Uh, 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 sir, that's a ballsy statement. I was like, and he was like, you know, because if I go to X restaurant, it's inconsistent. And I was like, that's dude, that's, that's everywhere. What the hell are you talking <laughs> about? And he was just kept going on and on. He's like, and he said this phrase, we're going to be like a real city now. And that was the point where I was like, you can go fuck yourself. I was like, you don't go to these 10 restaurants that are fantastic. We're going to be like a real rest, real I know city. Nobody can see me like making this contorted yeah. face right now. We're going to be like a real city because we have a food what? hall. Because we have a mall what? food court. How? How? Sh- I'm having a hard time with this. How if you sh- could see the steam is oh, coming oh, off of his it's head. It's shooting out of my ears. His his red hair went redder. <laughs> um, that is a very short-sighted statement. And I'm sorry this person has such a point of view. I hope it has since changed. But um, I don't know. We don't hang out as much anymore. But there, there are plenty. He is actually a very nice guy. There are plenty. Well, I wasn't making that <laughs> statement, but uh, or or a statement against that point. But yeah. uh, there, man, we are so lucky to have all the yeah. food that we have here, and the like. Obviously, we have all the corporate bullshits, which have their own merits. Yeah. But as far as like independently owned and operated Knoxville unique restaurants. Like per capita, we're really high up there. Yeah, compared to all of the other major cities that would be on a like, oh god, you have to eat here list. Yeah, I've gone to some of those big cities and ate at some of those. You, oh god, you got to eat here, and they are not very good. Uh, sometimes you fall victim to the hype. Yeah, and that's why I enjoy less hype. Yeah, <laughs> but going back to like, I think one thing that's kind of helped me sustain my love of this town is because I like exploring it. I like getting out there and trying new things because I grew up where we didn't do that. And and well, the other thing was... Where you didn't have a lot of access to things in general, too. No. And the other thing is sharing Knoxville to other people. I was like, man, having people come here... I actually... So, if you won't go down this rabbit hole... Yeah, let's go. Uh, of the gatekeeping in Knoxville. So, I applied for a Bailey grant with the Emporium. And my pitch was, I live alone. I have a living room and a bedroom in the basement. I would like to build out a full scale, full scale, uh, a proper screen printing shop. And I sourced everything. I was like, here's what it'll cost. It was around, like actually, the people who'd done Bailey Grants before had said, do everything. T-shirts, whatever you're yeah. wanting to print on. Ink, make sure to add everything. And it was still, it was like $18,000. And they're giving away $300,000. And so I did that and I was like, here's my pitch. I was like, I want to do that and here's why I want to do that. I want to do that because I want to be able to make my own art that I can potentially live off of. But I also know that that won't be everything, but it'll be something small to help supplement my income and keep me to be an artist full time. Right. This is before I had the job. And the other thing, I was like, once a month, uh, I'm going to have a residency where I'm going to bring somebody not from here to come in here, and they're going to stay here for a week, and we're going to workshop ideas and then produce a piece, and they will leave with half of those pieces, and I'll have the other half of the pieces. In that time, I will get to show them Knoxville. Yeah, I like that. And I, I like, like that this, idea a lot. This will be good for Knoxville because you'll have these people coming in. And I already had a sign-up sheet of six people. The one from Emporia, Kansas, who's a printmaking teacher there. Uh, one from Cleveland, Ohio, who's a screen printer. Like, all over. Had people like, I'm in. What do I need to do? 
and it cost eighteen thousand dollars. And that was really like doing the best of the best. And I got rejected. Ah. And I got told later, oh yeah, you have to apply like this is all hearsay. Do not come at me for this. <laughs> and also, I don't give a shit. This is what I heard. Oh, you have to apply like four to five times to actually get it. I was like, then I will never apply again. Yeah, right. I will do this on my own and I will not If that's if that's the the bureaucracy and system yeah. nature of it, I have no desire to participate. And there was somebody else who had applied and that person said, Oh, I've applied four to five times and this time all I got was a percentage of what I asked for. Yeah. I was like, Then where is this three hundred thousand dollars going right. every year? I would like to know that. Like, I would like to be held. I would like them to be held accountable because it's also three hundred thousand dollars, eighteen thousand dollars. This is also a bigger idea of bringing people to the city, right? That's, that's and creating the, art. The scope of that is greater than just how you're going to spend this money. Yes, and I got rejected, and I was just like, so this ended up. There's an episode of my podcast with Josh Shorey, and it's me yelling, and it's me, <laughs> it's me doing a lot of yelling about like. I don't think in this city, because this is an art podcast, this is something, actually, God forbid, it's on topic. <laughs> for once, for this know, right? yeah. three hours, yeah. an hour five, uh, I don't feel like I get taken seriously as an artist by other artists in this town. Uh, uh, okay, so, and and the parallels in my experience, I've applied to show work at several galleries around town, um, that that shall remain nameless for their safety. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, and I've 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 shown a lot of work independently uh, for First Fridays and stuff, and I've done a lot of intermediate things that are you know not First Fridays, but I've never shown in an established gallery around town, yeah. and that really bothers me because I've <clears throat> I'm not going to sit here and say I'm owed it, right? But I've put in sweat and and right. and whatnot, and I've I've. I've worked my craft and done the things and I feel as if I've, uh, I've earned the chance to be put on some of those walls because I've done work. I've curated my own shows. I've curated shows with other people. I know how this works. Yeah. And if you're going to tell me this is a juried gallery and we just don't have room for you, then you and the seven other people that made that decision can eat my asshole. Yeah. And you'll never have the privilege of showing my art. So, so, Okay. You just said the R-rated version of what I've always said, which is if you're saying I'm not good enough to walk through your doors, I'm going to build my own fucking doors over yeah, here and, and, and do my own thing. Honestly, this and is, you can go fuck yourself. This is the thing you, but, that I've felt yeah. really strongly about. Um, and this ties in with the whole, I've never seen it before. I want to build it or I want right. to make it. And this is that same, I've not been given space, so I'm going to make my space and then share it. Yeah. Um, and I guess part of that's like that if you're going to do it, do it yourself, kind of like resourceful country, southern Appalachian, you know, if you want to yeah. do it, do it and, you know, keep your circle small kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've never shied away from that point of view because it's always been the way I get stuff done. And I've had successful collaborations with all kinds of people for pieces of art and art shows and curated shows that I've put on. But it's been me taking the charge on it. Yeah, it, I, I've I've never had anybody meet me in the middle on doing a specific thing. Yeah, and that's been kind of difficult. But it's double edged sword, and I don't think I'd exactly trade it for a whole lot. But it it can be taxing yeah. at times. I don't hate it. It's yeah. worth it. It's always worth it. 
but it can take a lot out of a person. I'm trying to think how to say this next statement in a way that will be succinct enough. So, uh, not to harp on this, because sometimes I feel like I lean on this a little too much. I'm a white guy who grew up in a black neighborhood, and guess what? I was welcomed. And you know who didn't pick on me when I was a kid? Other black, yeah. uh, black yeah, people. Yeah, the black kids. <laughs> I was like, they, I never, it was nothing but love and everything. You know who did pick on me? All the white kids. White kids. You know who I don't feel like takes me serious now? Rich white people. So well, the and I also I would love for rich white people not to take me seriously, but buy my shit anyway. So when George Floyd happened, it was amazing to me how many white friends of mine were like, oh, "Jody, did you know racism still exists?" <laughs> uh, yes, Bob. <laughs> I was like, "No shit." Huh, that's fascinating. Did you open your eyes while you were walking around in the streets today? You could have seen it. And it was, they would talk down to me and explain to me what black life was like. And I would just be like, this is adorable. Right, because the things you're saying aren't the things I saw in my life experience. Yeah. And it's also of the thing of, and I still don't know if this word is wrong or not. And I've asked, uh, tokenism i saw so many of those be like i have one black friend i was like oh yeah i was and, like cool and, and you know you, i can't count you sitting them. across from me right now sometimes i'm uh people's token ginger friend oh, yeah. uh, and and uh it, but it but it amazed me that they were like okay i've got one friend i'm that, done that's that virtue signaling yeah. bullshit right there so and i had this discussion and this is a weird thing i i swear i don't mean to sound like i'm a fucking tough dude or whatever bullshit but it was i had this discussion with a friend the other night and uh this will be the first time i think i've said this publicly i think saying it to my friend was the first time i'd actually said it to another person because it sounds crazy like i said a lot of things are in my head but it was my little sister when there was a protest after george floyd that went through the city uh she was like i would like to go that please go with me that and you said run it right let's go i said no, I begrudgingly said, okay, here's why. And then the day of, she was like, I'm not feeling well. I don't think I can go. I was like, okay. But in my head, I was thinking, thank God. <laughs> because here's the thing. Been seen on the news of these protests happening and seeing police officers get combative with protesters. Yeah, it's, it's a dangerous place to be. Here's the problem with me. If anybody laid a hand on my sister... And here's how I put it, and I will say this bold and to the point. If a cop put a hand on my sister, there would be six cops laid out. Oh, that's I would, because then you'd be charged with assaulting an officer no, and because all the I would not stop fighting until I put as many I hurt as many. I'm not gonna say anything more inflammatory than that, as many as humanly possible. And I have a lot of anger and rage in me. <laughs> and if you uh, and, touch and my agree. sister, you deserve every bit of it. And I was like, am I, I take that back. I told one friend at that time about that. And he was like, if you know that about yourself, it's good. You did not put yourself. I was like, I would have hurt people. I would have hurt people because I don't take that shit. I don't think that's necessarily a crazy thing to say. I think that's an insightful thing to know about yourself. Yeah. Um, now, if more people were aware of themselves in that degree, society would act much more different. Yeah. Because I also had this, and here's another, here's, here is a crazy thing. Oh. 
Are you ready? This oh, one is this one is on me, brother. <laughs> way out there. So I was walking around New York one time. I'm a kind of schlubby dude. I got it. But I'm walking around and I looked at a group group of cops. And I am not anti-cop. I am not any of that. I have known cops that are decent people. I have known cops that are piles of shit. There's a cop that I went to high school with that he got arrested for domestic assault. He got taken off the force for a little while. And then magically, a few years later, he was back on the force. I was like, no, 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 no. You're done. Not You're done. <laughs> you, you go. You go. You can't do that shit. But... Uh, I was walking around New York. I saw this group of cops and they all were looking like they were tough. And I looked at him and was like, I could take all of their guns. Because one of them, his belly was over his gun. Uh, and I was like, because <laughs> in my head, I'm like, you're not doing any, no, none of this five of you that are standing here are doing any good. And you're not going to do any help. Like, you should mentally and physically be fit, I think, to be a cop. I would totally agree. <laughs> but I think mentally, even more so. Oh, of course. I saw a tweet that was brilliant where the, there was this woman who said, why did it take me six years to practice law when it takes a cop six months to enforce the law? I was like, that is one of the best statements I've ever heard. I but, wholeheartedly agree with that polarity. So I saw this happen in New York, and I came home, and I was like, all right, Sean, I got a new theory. If I can take your gun, your gun is mine. I was like, I really want to do this. I really want to be like, because I would see these guys at like, there were guys at East Town Mall. They'd be like, I'm carrying. Because, you know, if shit pops off, I was like, I can take your gun. You wouldn't be able to pull that gun before I got it from you. <laughs> I've been in enough fights in my life and look at you. No. If I can, and that's why I say, I'm not trying to sound tough, but I was like, if you're going to have a gun, you need to practice with it. You need to use the tool responsibly. Because yeah, I think about, because I boxed for a long time and I've known martial art people. And it was like, you know who's dangerous? Is the people who've been doing martial arts for six months because they think they're tough and they think they're badass and they get their ass whipped. Because yeah. they're like, oh, you have to hold me in this certain position for me to be able to fight you. So I think the same thing with guns. I've got friends that own guns that they go out and they shoot on the regular and they know how to handle it. They know how to safely do everything. That's fine to a point <laughs> i'm also not big on all the gun anyway but it's i don't can't tell you how many t people have bought a gun and not shot it in five years it's like then your gun should be gone yeah you don't need that why you do you have that. it yeah so that's my wild if i can take your gun your gun is mine i, I don't hate that logic <laughs> i really don't uh if more people were prop so <laughs> i love this i have hijacked this for those listening at home, I'm sorry I've hijacked no, He's, he's our not podcast. sorry, and neither am I. <laughs> it's the old fashioned talking. No, it's not. <laughs> we're just being honest. In hour seven, we're being honest. Listen, buddy, I was honest when I stepped in your house. All right. <laughs> oh, God. That's um, awesome. But I, I, I sincerely and wholeheartedly agree that firearms are a tool yeah. that should be used used properly practiced with knowledgeable of like any other tool yeah but you also have to understand the gravity of the decisions you make when yeah. you use this tool that's why you need to know the ins and outs and the downrange of yeah. this tool and i really feel like a lot of people fail 
and a social responsibility aspect about these tools. And that saddens the shit out of me because as someone that grew up with and around firearms, learning how to use them, clean them, handle them, use them responsibly for myself, the safety of others and society, I know these things. Yeah. And to see people not know these things kind of breaks my heart because those are the scenarios that end up with people hurt. Yeah. And, and, any gun violence I feel as if is avoidable violence. Yeah. And that's, and that's really the long and short of it and the black and white of my opinion. Obviously the topic isn't black and white, but. Well, it was, so when I worked at PetSafe, I worked around a bunch of engineers who lived in Dandridge or lived in West Knoxville and there were a bunch of old white dudes and there were points where like, because I'm going to take it back to art. He's the artist. He probably puts a daisy in the gun and he probably does all that. I was like, what the fuck are you talking? I was like, I just don't like guns. And they would harp on I could touch your wrist and your palm and then you would lose that gun. (laughs) Well, all of them were just like, almost called me like a pansy for not like guns. And then I finally looked at him. It's like, I went to Fulton High School. I saw a gun for a drug transaction on my first day in school. I've had friends that were victims of drive-by. My graduating class of somewhere between 103 and 108, uh, three quarters are dead in prison or have done jail time. Maybe I don't like guns because of that. Because all of my, because my parent, my dad, my uncle did not have guns growing up. So they were not a thing for me. And I I mean, I I grew up surrounded by guns and cars and liquor and like, and not to say that my childhood was unsafe, but I wasn't necessarily sheltered. Yeah, uh, you know the, the a lot of the more outlaw aspects of country life were just normal yeah. things to me growing up. Well, and to go back, it's like my uncles all fought in freaking Vietnam right. in so the jungles. You, they don't want guns. So you've got firsthand accounts of how all these people think about how society behaves around firearms. Yeah, and and how they use it yeah. to destroy one another. Good lord. Yeah, I can't keep talking. We can go back to. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, <laughs> but it's, but it's uh, honestly, I think, I think about a lot of those, there are sometimes when I create art that may not clearly have a political message, but it has a political message to me. Big thing for me is voting. So every year on Feral Giant, you will see at least one to two or three posts about voting. Cause I'm like. Get out and vote. Get out and vote. That's the system we have to affect change. I was like, uh, gerrymandering is awful. You know how you combat gerrymandering? Vote. And let's change that shit. I was like, because, so another fun fact, dad truck driver, but where we lived in East Knoxville, somebody brought the, tried the property nexus went up for sale and it was eight acres. And somebody wanted to come in and build an apartment complex where 1,200 people were going to live in that. And there was going to be one entrance and exit, and it was going to be right next to our driveway. And my dad said, the fuck they are. (laughs) And he got involved with his neighborhood organization, and he fought it, and he's been president of his neighborhood organization since like 1991, 1992. Gnarly. To where he gets asked by the city to go mentor people who are starting neighborhood associations like he so he would show up to city council meetings mpc meetings county not really county commission in his shorts with grease and shit all over him and and (laughs) when i was in the seventh grade he said you're taking english you write my damn speeches for me I would write his speeches for him when I was 12 years old. I, I, I heard you talk about that on one of the episodes. Oh, okay. Um, and, and because of all that, my dad 
because he did that after a few years, he was like, son, those people in Washington don't give a shit about us. <laughs> Get involved locally because that's where it matters. Yeah, that's where you can most easily yes. affect change. And so I I've been living that since I was in the seventh or eighth grade. Excellent. Yeah. Of just being like, no, I voted in every single election I've been able to able. vote in. Oh, yeah. every, every, everyone. Uh, everyone. And it's just like, no, I don't just vote for president. I actually had another one of my random thoughts were, if you miss voting three times, you have to take a citizenship test to be able to vote again. <laughs> and I'm not talking about presidential election. I'm talking every election. That, that's pretty gnarly. <laughs> That, that that that's a pretty hard. These line. are the platforms I'm going. I'm never going to run. There's too much dirt on me. I can't uh, run. Well, okay. Well, who doesn't have dirt? <laughs> um, but let's let's okay. switch gears Sorry. here. So the other day <laughs> when you sent me a message, you're like, "Hey, I just did this piece with this ty- the typesetter fellow." And yeah. when I said I'm going to turn this on right now, I turned it on right yeah. then. And I I I think I said that it was good. Got back to you about it. But let me tell you right now, since we're talking about shit that I really enjoyed that episode and Thank that you. and the kind of conversation you had with that gentleman there is kind of the conversation I really try to structure myself towards but don't always get to okay. um but but that I've I've been successful in this aim several times but they're not always <laughs> they're not always that which yeah. is fine but um those the questions you asked that gentleman about how and where and when and and why uh, are all questions I enjoy hearing artists answer. Thank you. And Amos Kennedy Jr. For anyone listening at home, that was his name. Yes. Uh, And typesetting and letterpress work is is a dying art in society nowadays to see someone supremely passionate and knowledgeable about it and being able to speak articulately about it as well is a privilege to listen to and a pleasure to be able to present. So I'm glad you got to do that. And I'm happy I got to listen to it. And it's a 70 year old dude that still has fire in his belly. Yeah. When we were talking about, I was, I asked him some question about like, do you see your art as uh, political statements? He's like, it's all, everything is political. Like he went, he went hard in the paint. He did. And you know, it's one of those things you can't, uh, I was talking about this, with somebody the other day it is so hard to insulate your uh your expression yeah. from the influences and greater context of a person's life that how can you say that anything you make isn't political yeah it's i what you were saying like how i i think another thing i didn't mention was something that also fuels me up is listening to music or podcasts or anything that is another art form that I am not good at like music, especially, but one of them that's fired me up is the band run the jewels. Oh yeah. Run the jewels. (laughs) Oh yeah. One run the jewels Two. that album may be one of the most important albums of the last 25 years. Like it. And I don't think people recognize it as much as they should like, but that album, like run the jewels. One was good. Rap music was great, but run the jewels. Two was the one and he, Killer Mike, had said that the head of the record label, who's the guy in charge of Adult Swim, who's their record label, yeah. said it was either that one or rap music. He was like, I want you to make an album that if you died tomorrow, that would be the album that you would want yeah, everybody to hear. That's the and one. it was either two or rap music. And I want to think it was Run the Jewels, too. And it's just, it goes, it leaves no stone unturned. Uh, I, 
So, but it fires me up. Those too. cats, those yeah. cats aren't scared to say what's on their mind, and I really appreciate that about yeah. their expression. Uh, I, when people unabashedly just say what they feel and yeah. are passionate about it, the way those gentlemen are passionate about it, um, I enjoy watching people articulately express their passions. Yeah, and those two gentlemen do that in those albums. And that's for anybody, though, because if you can talk about the hows and whys of the thing you do and how you enjoy it, yeah. then I know you can say all the things you need to say about that. Yeah. And I'm, I love it. I'm going to pull up. God, if I can get my stupid. Oh, shit. Is this a multimedia presentation? <laughs> I get my internet to work, you know, because my internet may be down. Uh, uh, right. I have a YouTube playlist that's favorites, and I save everything that i want to keep watching yeah and the variety on there this is not this goes back to the when you ask like what would my favorite day be and i said variety like my favorites list is so chaotic because it is stuff from like music to joji wrigley field breaking bad and yeah, let's go, let's go. I need, I need to. But he, but here we go. Like somebody mashed up, uh, tear you apart, and Bella Lugosi's dead, and it works great. I'm fine. That yes, Wrigley go. Field, it's this drone thing that is one of the greatest things I've seen. The glimpse of us came from TikTok because somebody mashed up glimpse of us with La La Land, and it is, it almost makes me cry. You know what? Somebody fucked me up the other day, and I heard somebody singing uh, Fallout Boy" to the tune of "Lovely Day" by Bill Withers, and it. Wow. Fuck me up in, huh. the, in the best way. Uh, the Breaking Bad is somebody did a hypercut of the ecstasy of gold from the good, the bad, and the ugly to every Breaking Bad season mm. to where it just hypercut. Come downstairs and say hello. That's one of my favorite bands, Guster. They're performing it with the Colorado Symphony Orchestra at Red Rocks. Nice. I've seen them live twice now, and the second time I saw them, like, so w- something that I said in the Adam Kennedy podcast that just dropped today that I asked him that if you could go back and tell yourself, I didn't say 14 year old self. I asked him when he was still working at scripts networks before he started refill, what we tell himself. And then he turned around me. He's like, what would you tell? I was like, I would go back and tell my younger self, don't be afraid to cry. Stop, Ooh, stop yeah. holding that shit in. Cause I saw, and I told the story, I saw Seager Rose at the Ryman and I cried twice and I cried so hard that I was in reaching in my pocket and gripping my thigh to stop myself from heaving. <laughs> and the second time I saw Guster, I saw them in Nashville with the symphony orchestra there. And when they played, come downstairs and say hello, it was like, I was openly crying. I yeah. was like, this is a work of art that affects me in such a way that I, I have a hard time breathing. Carl Sagan, pale blue, pale blue. I don't, dark. I don't know how anybody doesn't have that on there. <laughs> uh, Ted Lasso, this be curious, not judgmental. The dart scene is one of the best things I've ever seen. Uh, it's about loss and grief. This guy using GoPros going through the abandoned silver dome. That's neat. Uh, the papyrus thing from SNL, which is still <laughs> one of the funniest things ever. And it's got a lot of commercials like this. Leave nothing from Nike, the, the Dick sporting goods. Those are really cool in that they, some of them, it's technical things like the the pitch one, the baseball one. Uh, let's see, Dick Sporting Goods baseball commercial, every pitch. They switch the audio on who's talking. 
Oh yeah. And it's and they hyper zoom in, they hyper zoom out, and it's just like it's everything to like one round of a pitch. Huh. And it's brilliantly done. It's by the guy Bennett Miller who did Moneyball. Okay. He did well, the makes, he did like two of these ads. Uh, the Roots on NPR that they came in, they did one song they destroyed. There's the opening Escape from New York we yep. talked about. This Battles music video that it's like all one shot. Uh, inspirational Nike ad, The Midnight, Nats Music. These are some of the best, I think, on a late night show performances, Drive By Truckers uh, with Jason Isbell doing Never Gonna Change, My Morning Jacket, One Big Holiday on Conan, My Morning Jacket doing Gideon with the, Symph- the Boston Pops on Letterman. And some Squirrely Dan. And the subscribe the, the killers, <laughs> the car chase scene from The Longest Yard. What a lovely classic movie that is. That car chase scene to Leonard Skinner's Saturday Night Special is one of the best ever. The all thing Ted Lasso to the to build a home, which is one of my favorite songs. Squirrely Dan, that's one of the wait, funniest. Wait, 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 wait. What is the John Carter teaser trailer doing on here? Uh I know you know why it's there. Tell me why it's there. Because they use uh, Peter Gabriel's "My Body Is a C- Cover of My Body Is a Cage." Okay, and it's the mirror. It makes that movie seem so just big that it's just something. And it's weird because it's kind of quiet music for most of it and very subdued. And then the strings just go nuts, and then it ends on being very quiet, just him and a piano. True. And it made that movie movie look so great. And I don't hate that movie. It's not great. Uh, the but, we- but that ad for the movie is great. The ad. So I've got like a few trailers like that. Look, there are two Super Man of Steel trailers that I will watch on repeat because they're just so well done. The Just a Little Bit is something ever since I aired on the West Wing where it's a dad takes his daughter to Notre Dame for a campus tour and he's talking to Toby and uh, Josh and he was like, life should be hard. It should be hard for a dad to make the money to put his daughter through college. That's a good thing. That's a good thing, but it should be just a little bit easier. And he's talking about like, uh, paying for college should be tax deductible. He's like, it should be a little bit easier. It shouldn't be. And Billy Wayne Davis said, there are rich people and there are people two bad things away from completely fucking their life. And I think about that all the time. Uh, I also am happy to see you have a John Prine song in here. So that... Is the as weird as it sounds? That's the first time I actually heard a John Prine song. Really, him on Austin Sea Limits. That's a Blaze Foley song, but it sounds like a John Prine song. Well, I think he can sing anything and make it sound like yeah. a John Prine song. And then some of this, it's like I've always wanted to do a series of people playing out music out in public. So that's what that Willie Carlisle, the racing Michael Vick from Atlanta, that's still one of the funniest things, <laughs> where he was like, "Sometimes you got to stun on people." The Bear Claws, it's they figured out the Facebook Live algorithm. So they're actually, they'll play one element of the song and keep building and letting the algorithm play the whole, all the oh, instruments. Uh, Bert Crasher telling the Tracy Morgan story. Claire DeLune from Ocean's Eleven. Like, it's all just like crazy shit. Uh, the Castaway monologue, the I've Got Ice in My Glass, it's one of the best speeches ever. The Aston Martin Vantage review from Top Gear, the cinematography and everything. Yo, automotive journalism is some of the prettiest shit I've ever seen in my yeah. life. 
And as bad as awful as those three guys are, because they're pieces of shit, like that show is one of the greatest television shows that was ever on. It really is. That the the cinematography and sound design of that show is some of the best you can yeah. possibly watch. Uh, I'm gonna try to skip through because there's a lot of music. This is wait, one wait, of the fun- wait. Infinity War trailer set to Gangsta's Paradise. Yes, yes, but it's a a, a orchestral That's and fine. and That's a, fine. a choral. Gimme. version of it <laughs> gimme prince performing purple rain this is one of the greatest things i've ever seen and i'll hit play but i'll come but it's all just like shit that i will watch over and over and some of it's funny some of it is well, this is one of the funniest things this too patty talking about the sweet potato pie from patty uh this is one of the weirdest commercials that they used to have uh about coca-cola uh, I'm going to keep going because it's, <laughs> this will just keep going. I mean, it's got everything. There's the life as an artist. What I was really wanting to show you is this killer Mike's life advice where he was like, most people are average. Be okay with being average. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Like, but this thing, and I'll let it play in the background because it'll probably be so quiet. You can't hear it. I'll turn the volume down just in case, but this came up. I don't know how I found it. But it's a piano player playing Claire de Lune, which I think is one of the most beautiful pieces of music ever ever made. And watch what this guy does along to Claire de Lune. This is one of those things where it's like, this makes me, God, fucking ads. Come on, YouTube. So, so last time I had a TV running and the podcast going at the same time, we had like a, a nature documentary on Netflix in the background. Oh, really? <laughs> so every now and again, be like, damn, those penguins. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So Adam and I were watching football, and we were making commentary on the football game. It's like, oh, shit, Pat- Patrick Mahomes just fucked up his leg. <laughs> but this, like, this is the thing I'm talking about, about like going back and telling my 14-year-old self, don't be afraid to cry. It doesn't make you less of a man to cry. You know, one of the things I realized about my particular human experience and how rich I am in ways that money can't quantify is that I am so privileged as of late to cry more happy tears than sad tears. Yeah. I have them both and they come in different quantities, but overall the ratio skews towards the happy tears. Yeah. Well, and something I told Adam is this is a hard thing to admit, but during the pandemic there were times where I was not eating because I didn't have enough money for food. It was just a normal part of, our level in society's yeah. story. And one of my friends worked in tech, works in tech. And he was like, I, I have money. He makes a ton of money. And so he just, without me asking, bought me like six months of butcher box. And Damn. he was like, I don't want to have to worry about you worrying about how, if you're going to eat. Right. Yeah. And so he was like, it costs me nothing to do this. Also, what we're seeing on the screen right now is a gentleman dancing, on a trampoline and a set of stairs yeah. to this tune. And it's it's almost like Buster Keaton shit. Well, it's, it's in black and white, so that helps. Yeah, yeah. But so he didn't tell me he was doing this. And the first butcher box came. And I was like, wait. this What was, the hell? Just who did this? Yeah, what did this? And then I was like, and I texted him. I was like, did you do this? He's like, yeah. Because he said that. I don't want to have to worry about you worrying about whether or not you're going right. to eat. And I stood right there. It's around Christmas time. Here's where you can make fun of me. Uh, Cold plays... Christmas lights was playing. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with Coldplay. <laughs> and th- I think that song is actually a beautiful song because it's about being lonely at Christmas time. 
and that song was playing and i'm sitting there with butcher box sitting right there and i'm just you got sta- this box full of meat <laughs> listen to coldplay <laughs> and i was just standing up and just openly crying i was like i i'm going to make it another day yeah i can't believe i'm so fortunate in this world that i'm going to make it another day so, right and and i found that um gratitude not only as an overarching theme in my life experience, but as as a, a, a contributing factor to my creative expression, has been supremely helpful. Yeah, and um, and that's that's grateful in all aspects, even for the negative things that happen, because the the, the duality of experience is that you always have the good and the bad in yeah. some degree. But these things influence and sway your your personal humanity in ways that are often better for you i i think i am a better person and work harder like i've actually said before i get up every day trying to be a good person and i think the reason i have is because i've had so many people shit on me from day you have a really good example of how to be a bad person yes yeah and it's like so two episodes of rambling man or just me telling dating stories. Because I'm also a 44-year-old man who's dated a lot. <laughs> and it's almost seven and a half hours of my friend Krista and I talking. And one of the greatest things ever, spoiler alert. Spoiler we get alert. through, at the very end, I tell her one of the final stories, which is reprehensible. <laughs> and at the end, Krista's just sitting there with this face. Just like she's so angry. And like the security guard at MoMA... I started giggling like an idiot and she was, I was like, do you, do you hate people? And she was like, well, I've always hated people. I want to kill her. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And I could not stop laughing. This included in that story was a woman broke up with me by making me meet her at Chick-fil-A in Fountain City, putting her hand in my face, swirling it and going, you're just 10% off of perfect for me. <laughs> I'm making a face. What a bitch. Like that is awful. Like, but that's also a compliment on the flip side of the coin because you're ninety percent perfect for her. I guess, but that was not enough to outweigh the ten percent. But it, it was somebody I really cared about, and it was really. But now I love it because it's fucking hilarious. Oh, that's that's fun. that's funny. The minute removed from when it happened, <laughs> but uh, unfortunate because it had to happen to yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, but. God, yeah. <laughs> We're really going down. To, so this is the rambling man version of K A M P. So normally when I label these things, I say K A M P X and then whatever the other title is. <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's not you can't uh be so exclusionary for yourself to uh isolate yourself from your influences. Yeah, yeah. So here we are, not isolated from our influences. Yeah. But it's I've got plenty of stories of such shenanigans as well, but not not that we need, <laughs> yeah, not that they have to be disclosed here. But I have similar stories, yeah. But but yeah, go okay. So going back to art, because I'm gonna go back to this influence. Oh fuck! Why am I? It's staring me in the damn face. This one right here. Yes. The 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 Christina's world. So that is same, this is this a collage or a portrait or no? That's Christina's world by Wyeth. Okay. That's just the straight up. So. I'm at MoMA, I turn the corner and walk into this room. It's a small room, and on the wall is Christina's world. And I walked up probably like four or five feet in front of it, and I literally looked around, and I said, 
everyone leave. <laughs> and you had some That's people. Something I've never heard in a in a gallery or a museum. I had, I had some people like kind of looking at me. I was like, I'm not kidding. I need you to leave. I need them right minute. now. And I stood in that room and stared at that painting for probably a good five minutes alone. And and I had heard another artist talk about that it was damn near a sculpture because how he built the paint up. So I got in close and you could see it. And it was just like, I, I can't put into words what that painting means to me. And I know it's one that everybody has seen and everybody knows. And one of my friends is like, but that a, doesn't matter because it's how it strikes no, you. No. And same thing with this. My friend Saul Young took this photograph at Reasonable Ron's Tires. And there's something about this photo. Something about the two old heads watching. I don't think that's a young dude. But watching that dude work while they're not working. There's something about that piece that speaks to me that I can't, can't explain. But that one in particular was one. That's why I go to art museums. Because I want to see the shit that's known and unknown and make the decision on my own. Right. And that, and that's all one can do really. You yeah. put yourself in a place to be able to have that luxury. Well, and it's, I've seen, I don't know how many Rothko's and every time I see one, I was like, it's, it's not hitting me. I don't understand it. I, I feel like people get caught up in spending a lot of money on art. Yeah. Now don't get me wrong. I'd like to, have a lot of money spent on my work <laughs> but right. but uh man art art world in general is such a fickle funny strange unusual place and especially how money flows in out and through it yeah um and i've never been much of a salesman other than telling people like hey this is available enjoy it at your leisure no i did a piece do you know pachaka cha no so pachaka cha so there'll be one on thursday it's 20 slides, 20 seconds a slide, and it's a presentation. And you can, there's, there's. Alon Ferency was telling me about this the other day when I recorded with him. That's a presentation oh, style. And he the was. The rabbi. Yes. And he I, was. I, he was on my podcast. And he was telling me about how that, how he does some of his presentations. He's going to be there Thursday night presenting. Yeah. He was working on the thing when I showed up at his house. So. Friday. Uh, I've done it three times. And they're, they're all over the country, but I've done it three times. And shit, why did I bring that up? Chaka That. Holy shit, did I lose that train of thought? I mean, maybe. Did it leave the station? Yeah. I can't remember why I brought it. But Chaka I do know why. I'll eventually get there. I've done the artwork for the poster a few times. Okay. And the last one I did... One of the guys who runs it was like, this is amazing. I was like, thanks. It's like, what's it mean? I was like, I don't know. Here's the information. That's what it means. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, what it was is I really wanted to work with like Creative Commons images and just build upon multiple images to yeah. make it be one piece. And he could not. He was like, yeah, but this has to mean something. I was like, sometimes No, it dude, it's just uh, an assembly of things. It was just things. up here. He was looking for it real and, hard. And I just worked through it. And there was a point where I was like, this piece is done and I was done. Yeah. And those are the ones where I've talked to, when I talked to Josh Shorey about like, sometimes you need three paragraphs to explain what something means. Sometimes it can just be art. Yeah. I, I, 
I enjoy the lack of context sometimes. Here's the thing. It's being presented as it is, and you do with it what you will. Yeah. And honestly, I present a lot of my artwork like that because I don't have a lot of um, higher ideas that I attach to things. I make a lot of things that are just frivolous and pretty for the sake of being frivolous and pretty. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, I also make pieces that contain political statements, and (laughs) uh, I'm not afraid to make either one of these. I got one for you. So I was in college. It's still the funniest thing. I was in this class, Intermediate Color and Design. And there's two funny stories that came out of that class. One of them was we had to do a transformation where it was like five pieces of art. That one thing started with one thing, ended with something else. Because I was in the graphic design program, I was like, can I use Photoshop? She's like, you can. No one else can. (laughs) So I took a photo of Clarence Thomas and I made him morph into a Coke can. And I made a hair come down to float down and end up on the Coke can. And I presented it. It took me 10 minutes to do. It took me longer to cut out, spray mount it than it did the Photoshop. And she still to this day has it hanging in her office. She's like, this is a brilliant political statement. I was like, thank you. And all the dudes in the class were like, is that really your pubic hair? It's like, I'll never tell. I'll never tell. And I still won't tell. But it was, uh, but she was like, that is a brilliant political statement. This is in like 97. I was like, this has been over for like five years. What are you talking about? This is a br-. like, but, and then later on we had to do, we were working on two pieces concurrently. One of them was a self portrait. And one of them was, we had to take a piece, do whatever, and then cut it up and rearrange it. And I was working at Taco Bell, brag. And we had this squishy eyeball thing. And so what I did was I gritted off a piece of paper and I just chose a different piece and I painted the different pieces on that instead of cutting it up. Yeah. So, cause I wanted to challenge myself. I was like, I want to paint the different elements without cutting it up. Cause I feel like just painting the thing and then cutting it up's boring. Yeah. So I, it took me like three weeks to work on that painting. And then, uh, The other piece, the self-portrait, I took a piece of black paper and used colored pencil, and I drew all these elements for my life. Boxing, basketball, you know, sports, all that. But you, I can't draw faces or hands, so I just left any part of me out. <laughs> so it was like a shirt that had no arm, but right. then it had like a boxing glove floating in there. Had no face. So we're reviewing, we're reviewing both in the same day. We get to the eyeball and she's like, I've sat here and watched you do this for three weeks. This is awful. This is absolutely terrible. <laughs> you did it wrong. I don't know why you did it this way. She just, she was just going at me. How can you do this wrong? Uh, at, yeah, it's art. So then we get down to the self portrait thing that took me 45 minutes to do. And she looked at me and she's like, I think this is brilliant. I think this says a lot about how you feel about yourself because you didn't draw yourself in this. You draw all these elements that make you, you. And I was like, I just, I just can't draw faces. So why I didn't draw the damn face. And, but I didn't tell her. I was like, mm, mm, Right. You mm, sat there and be like, yes, this is exactly blah, 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 blah. Obvious. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> right? And it was so funny. I was like, shit, this thing I worked on really hard. And she was like, this sucks. But this, this thing that you put no effort into at all. Yeah. Mm, glorious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Hang it in the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, self-portraits haven't really been a thing I experiment with too much. I've done a few, but it's been a hot minute. Yeah. Um, 
I think the last one I did, I did like 2010, which is definitely well past that now. Yeah. But I had this really nice little bubbler pipe, and I had this idea of me like standing against a column of my parents' house, the porch, and like um, reclining with my foot up on the column and like the pipe by my belly, and I'm exhaling a big cloud of smoke. That is all of the things that accentuate my personality. That's cool. And it's, you know, everything from clothes and jewelry to, you know, music. Just like the breadth of my interests are represented inside of this cloud of smoke. Right. I need to f- see if I still have this piece because I, I, I really like it. Um, or recreate it, one or the other. I was going to say. So I, should, one, I should do that now. In the early days of Feral Giant, I was like, I need social media content. So every Thursday, I still have my portfolio from when I was in college and work from when I was in college. Yeah. I would take a picture of it and critique it. And yeah. I was ruthless. Man, if I, okay, so I've probably got three, three ring binder folders from high school. And that's probably things from like sophomore to my senior year. Um, because I would have, you know, my binder with my notebooks and the yeah. folders and everything in it. And whatever I would just draw in my notebook, I would pop out and put it in the binder or in the folder in the binder. Yeah. And I just ended up with like these three inch thick folders oh of just, you know, stuff that I'd drawn throughout the school years. And I, like I said, I've still got them. And every now and again, I'll get ballsy and go through them. Oh my God. <laughs> I need to go through it and see if this specific picture is in there because I feel like it is. Yeah. I would, I would love to see this again. Well, like I said, so like the 36 days of time thing. That that's a good example of how I said there were pieces that I really didn't like, but I can't tell you how many times doing those in the practice, which is what you talk yeah. about. How many times I've went back to those pieces and pulled something from it and used it. I've got this drawing I did. I was like, I need to draw wood with the grain. Mm-hmm. So I literally took like a two by four and then drew this grain pattern. And did enough to where I can make a pattern out of it. Like, let's say five by, two by four, so five by five. And did that, and then I applied it to that wood. And then when I would do multiple pieces, you know, I would flip it upside down, right. or flip it, do all that. I have reused that wood <laughs> for 200 projects. Because it's just like... Because it works. Because, and I can, it's malleable. I built it to work. Mm-hmm. And it's just hilarious because every time it'll show up and I'm ex- half expecting somebody to go, have you used that? <laughs> I was like, yes, shut up. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a good part about working in Illustrator. You can reuse elements. Yeah. Especially if you think you're going to use it in a bunch of different ways yeah. in the first place. One of the most fun things that I do in Photoshop for no reason at all uh, sometimes is tiling textures. Oh, yeah. I love tiling textures. Yeah. It's just a thing you can get lost in. Uh, you take something, you know, split it four ways, and all of a sudden, the clone stamp tool to hide the edges, and it's yep. just, dear God, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I because I keep everything in my pasteboards. I never delete shit. I can't tell you how many work pasteboards have just weird patterns that I've built <laughs> to where I've used them in like a one inch by one inch, but I've built out 10 inch by 10 inch right. repeating patterns. I was like, well, I don't know how big or small. I don't want to have to do the extra work to have to build this one. I can just hit do step and repeat, step and repeat. Right. And it's, yeah, that's the fun part is like, I want to make this look like waves. How can I make that work? The computers are wonderful. Yeah. They do terribly glorious things. 
So do you ever work in, now I'm trying to remember what Esther, since we've already name dropped Esther so much, shout out to Esther, uh, the apps on like iPads and stuff. Uh, so, so I'm not an Apple person, but that's not particularly by choice. It's just the devices I have around me. Um, my, what's it called? What my, well, I have a drawing tablet that I really like. It's an XP pen tablet. Okay. Um, it's the most, it's, it's honestly the fanciest single artistic tool I've ever had. Okay. Um, it was really pricey. I got a really good deal on it. It was one of those things where it's like, oh shit, this is a really good deal. If I pass this up, I'm an idiot. <laughs> uh, which is how I re- acquire some of the tools and toys that I have. Um, I try to be very vigilant about, uh, internet marketplaces for such things. Yeah. Um, but luckily this one just kind of fell in my lap because a friend was selling it and he found a different drawing tablet that he liked more. Um, so, you know, I got this one for a steal on it and it's a 27 inch full touch color display, blah, blah, blah. Like I hook a HDMI Holy cord up hell. to my, com- to my laptop and, um, it's great. I prototype and set up, um, um, hierarchy and composition are two of the things I use this for a lot. Um, especially if I'm just doodling to try and figure out a painting I want to do. And I know this tool is totally overkill for that, but I use it really efficiently. Um, I will sit down and I'll lay out my canvas size on a, on a blank image and then I'll just play around with the elements and see how I want to structure or compose a, a, a painting. If it's something that isn't the freeform geometry silliness that I normally do. Um, and it's very, very helpful. Uh, anytime I do like large scale paintings or murals that are like eight feet by 10, eight feet by 32s, you know, anything like that's pretty normal for what I put on a cinder block wall. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll scale those out and put a grid on it and draw it out and see, you know, just how they fit onto the pattern of the block wall and kind of make a mental image of that and then go do the wall. Yeah. But, uh, it's nice for a drawing tablet to be able to draw on the screen and not just draw on the tablet and see it on the screen. Yeah. And it's super helpful because watching your pen stroke where the pen stroke happens versus watching the pen stroke on a screen away from your pen stroke. There's something about that disconnect that doesn't jive for me, even though I've done it and I've used tablets that aren't screens, but, uh, yeah. Cause I think the Cintiq is one where you're not drawing, you're drawing and looking up, right? Well, a lot of these, a lot, there's two kinds of tablets. There's drawn screen tablets that are just like a, a, a literal screen with pressure yeah. sensitivity that you draw on, or you just have a pad that is pressure sensitive that correlates to the screen right. on your computer. Um, that, and which that is what I'd always had sp- experience with and had come pretty comfortable with. But the minute I drew on a screen, yeah, it, it got better. Game changer. Uh, the, well, the user experience is more intuitive. Uh, and I still haven't programmed all the customizable buttons on this thing, but uh, I really need to just to make, uh, just to be able to touch the keyboard less. Yeah, is is a serious improvement in workflow. Although, uh, so because of when I went to school, we were working off zip drives and jazz jazz drives, and everything would always crash. And so when I'm working on the computer, my hand is always on the. I call it open Apple, open Apple S Yeah. to hit save Yeah. because that's just how I was trained. But the awesome part about that is now because I'm used to that, 
it's so easy for me to hit that and tab or any of the correlating buttons yeah. because my thumb is always on that. The uh, the the Control S save function is is if I, if my, I move my left hand across that side of the keyboard, like I'm hitting it. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's not a whole lot of second guessing that particular action. I I had to build out a worksheet like a job sheet because I couldn't find like a job tracking platform that I liked. I was like, can I just ask my boss? I was like, can I just build one in Excel that I like? Yeah. She's like, yeah, totally. So I built it, and I went through the whole thing, had four tabs of like, here's what I'm currently working on. Here's ongoing projects. Here's just ideas. Here's completed. I built everything out, and then I looked up. I was like, holy shit, I hadn't saved this. <laughs> I hadn't even saved it to save to a file. And oh, I was no, just like, so oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Hit the button now. Oh, God, oh, God. And I hit save gingerly, and I think I just went, ASDF and saved it. And I was like, okay, close it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. But it yeah, literally the, was the, like 40, the, the near heart attack you had right there. Yeah. Like 40 minutes worth of work. I was just like, oh shit. And I'm not going to remember any of this. <laughs> like, well, and, and in some of the 3d classes that I had in school, save, save often was a mantra that yeah. some of the instructors really, cause some of these programs are more finicky than others. And you just never know when shit's going to fail. And the Adobe products have getting even, gotten even worse lately and that they'll oh, just they? randomly... That makes me so happy. Yeah, that they'll <laughs> just randomly crash. I have such a gripe about Adobe switching to a digital disbursement method with their software. Yeah. And I understand the profit model, but you stop selling hard disks with reliable software. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> and you, now you can't do clean installs and stuff anymore. Like there's so many buried files, like especially with, I edit my podcast and audition and there's one point on my laptop. I was like, I'm running out of room. How am I running out of room? And I found out there was these drilled down backup files that were gigabytes, gigabytes of data. And I was like, what is this? I've deleted this pod because I have a backup hard drive where when I'm done with podcasts, I'll move it over the backup. And I was like, I haven't had this file on my computer in a year and a half. <laughs> and it's still, and it's still like got backup files. Same thing with Zoom. When I record Zoom, the minute I back it up on the hard drive, I need to start going back in and clean up my Zoom files because those files are massive. Yeah, it's video and audio. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. I don't I, I, it saddens me that this is the state of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that you got to think about drilled down backup files. But I'm also nitpicky enough to where I was like, okay, when I copy it in my Ramblin' Man folder, I'm going to copy it. I'm not going to move it in case anything goes wrong. Right. I have those source files. Right, exactly. But it's remembering, oh, crap, dummy. Go delete that. Yeah. That's been published and done. So <laughs> get rid of it. Well, I, I try to be... Uh, I try to keep all the raw audio files and I try to keep all the actual finished product episodes. Yeah. Uh, I, I generally try to keep both file formats because if I want to go back and there's a, there's some audio in there I didn't really jive with and I want to see if I can just edit it post publish and find a better yeah. presentation of the audio in there somewhere. Uh, and, and then, you know, I may re-upload it and replace it with the original file that gets, but not all the time. Um, but I just, the way my brain wants to organize things, I would like to have both sets of files. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's say I'm working on something in Illustrator. Uh, the organization of my files is insane. 
because I worked at a print shop where I had to organize all of the files. Yeah. So I have job numbers for everything I work on. <laughs> and if you go into folders, there will always be a main file, a, a PDF. Let's say it's a Illustrator file, a PDF. That's the one that goes to print or to proof or PNG if it's yeah. on social. There will be an images folder with any correlating images. And then there will be a Omega symbol original files and everything else gets dumped in there. And down in there will be illustrator file, uh, job number one, two, three, four, uh, Draplin sticker. And then in the original files, there'll be job number one, two, three, four, Draplin sticker underscore version zero, version one, version yep. three. Because I can't tell you how many times I would work somewhere and I would have a corrupt file and to be able to go and pull that old file was saved my ass. Yeah, and in and my professional life, uh, the organization of the server where the boss and I communicate about uh, you know print files and customer yeah. files and all that organization, he's done a really good job setting all that up. So I don't have a ridiculous yeah. like sea of bullshit to wade through to find what I'm trying to do. And uh, that's really nice. Well, in the print shop, he, the owner would make me burn a copy of every job to a CD. And he would say, burn two copies. One copy goes in the job folder and one copy goes into a box. And when you get a full box, I will take those to my house. Yeah. So if this place ever burned down, we have those. Everything's cataloged. Offside. Yeah. Now, years later, I found out CD lifespans for those only last like seven years. Well, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> You're not needing So I have files. So I have tons of CDs. I was like, oh, these CDs are no good because they're 20 years old. Right. And I was like, well, that's a bummer. If I'm going to put a laser on this, it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know that when I was doing that. Well, I mean, I think that's something that most people skip over info-wise. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I had I had a scenario happen on, on this old shindig when I was uh, interviewing somebody. And... Uh, her father sort of interrupted the conversation. They knocked on the door. Hey, blah blah blah. No big deal. Obviously, like I don't, I yeah. don't care. Like I'd hit the pause button if he had something to say. But you know, he's like, no, do the thing. But it turns out that he passed away not too long after, and that was unless he left her a voicemail or something. That was the last instance oh, of his this gentleman's recorded voice. And uh, it, of course, I cut that out for the presentation of the episode. But yeah, it's nice that I was able to maintain that. Yeah. And, and and have that in its raw form. That's so, awesome. So that that that's probably been one of the, like the the most touching experiences. You know, look back hindsight twenty twenty, like oh shit, like I, this might be the last example of this man's living recorded voice. And that and that's been kind of neat and more, and morbid and lovely all at the same time. I don't have it here, but a good friend of mine passed away around Christmas time. Brandon Gibson. Mm-hmm. Do you know Brandon? I did, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I used to run, I would do a benefit show every year at Central Collective called Happy Knox Fall Days where we would, people would pay to come, local musicians singing Christmas songs. And then 100% of the money went to the Love Kitchen. Brandon Gibson, like three years in a row, opened it up with just him <laughs> singing. So I found those videos because I, I just did like a mega cut right. at the end thanking everybody. And I found those videos and uploaded them to YouTube. I was like, here are these videos if anybody wants them. And then I started going through. I was like, oh, I recorded like three or four radio shows with him. I recorded a Ramblin' Man where we did 
Christmas songs back and forth where we were fighting against one another for <laughs> Christmas songs. And it was just like, I'm happy I have those records because Brandon was a fucking amazing dude. Right, yeah, definitely. And that had such a big impact on everybody. And there was part of me when I posted those YouTube videos, I was like, am I taking advantage? I was like, no, I'm just sharing something that 99% of the people who knew him never saw. Right. Because they didn't come to Happy Knox Fall Days. Right. They didn't see this shit. So it was it was a privilege and a luxury for you to be able to share that. Yeah, to be able to go onto a backup hard drive and find those files. And it was never a full song. It was always like 45 seconds. I think the longest one I got was like a minute and a half or something. I was like, but here are three, I think it's three or four videos. And I've left them on my Dropbox. So I was yeah. like, if anybody ever wanted these, here they are. Like... Yeah, saving those files, you never know. Well, and you know, I see uh, I see Bill Foster going through his stuff sometimes. Yeah. And uh, I'm a huge fan of, of Bill's creative output. And, and his photographic eye just tickles the shit out yeah. of me. And, you know, he went through, I don't know how many thousands of pictures and pulled out pictures of Brandon and posted them all over Facebook. And, you know, yeah. just to share for people to take yeah. joy in. Yeah. And uh, I thought that was a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, I can't uh, tell you how many of my friends still have their profile pictures set of a photo of them and Brandon. I mean, he took pictures with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, well, I don't know if it's it's not... Shit, I should <laughs> I should change it back. My cover image on Facebook forever was Brandon, Art Carmichael, and I, uh, Dale and Sean Central Collective, they would do a winter formal or a spring formal where we'd all get dressed. Yeah. If you can imagine, I would wear a three-piece suit. Ah. And go to this in my like hoodie and shorts in the wintertime. I don't remember the last time I wore a three-piece suit. <laughs> I bought that three-piece suit just for that form. Hell yeah. I, was, I went to JCPenney and <laughs> spent a good $180. There you go. Uh, but my honestly, the re, a big reason I got it is because of Dave Batista in that shitty Spectre film. I liked how the big <laughs> the big dude in a well-tailored suit. Yeah, a well-tailored suit makes everybody look like, good. And I felt more confident in myself and wearing that damn thing. But I would wear it to there. And there was a photo of Brandon, Art Carmichael, and I, where we all posed. And I'm, like, doing this. And Brandon's over. To, and we all just look like suave motherfuckers. Right, right on yeah. that. And I was yeah. like, this is one of my favorite photos ever. And it would be my cover. It was my cover photo forever. Because I was like, this photo. And everybody commented. was like, when does this album drop? This is <laughs> right, crazy. Yeah. I was like, yeah, we don't take no shit. Like, right. we're, this is great. That's amazing. Yeah. There's also another one of me holding Art Carmichael like Kate Winslet and Leo from Titanic. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I think one of him, Art Carmichael, stroking my beard as I'm kissing the top of his head because he comes up to like my chest. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Sounds like a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God. I hate photos of myself, so I try to do weird shit to not not actually be in the photo well that's that's when you just need to carry the camera around yeah yeah <laughs> post pandemic i would see pictures of myself i was like i think i forgot how to smile during the pandemic <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people forgot how to do a lot of things but um i technically i work in an, an essential industry as advertising and signage and communication yeah. i suppose that we both follow under or fall under that umbrella yeah uh, but my boss, uh, he was like, Hey, go home. I don't know how this is going to go. Uh, 
Well, so. during it, I was working for myself, but I found out the insurance company, they had always been, no, you have to come in the office. You have to do this. And the minute all that happened and shit started hitting the fan, the owner was like, we got to readdress how we do things. Yeah. And so sent people home. But there it's like office building with everybody having their own individual offices. So you can cordon off. So even now, even, you know, we're on, I don't know what we are. We're not on the tail end. It's still happening. It's, yeah, we're just, But it's, we're ignoring it. We're living in it now. But even now it's like, oh, you can work from home three days a week if you want to. You just won't have an office. You have to give up your office because we're expanding so much. He was like, but if you want to work home two days a week, you can totally work home two days a week. Well, one of the, one of the things that really, uh, one of the ways I kept myself busy was, uh, I just dove into work. You yeah, know, I just started painting everything. Yeah. Uh, I think I was I was out of work, quote unquote. Uh, I was still employed. I just wasn't. Yeah, you know, wasn't drawing a check and wasn't at work. You know that yeah. whole thing. It's not like I lost my job. My boss just didn't know how shit was gonna pan out. So yeah. he's like, "Hey, look." I'm going to keep the lights on, but you go home for our, yeah. for our safety. Um, in the six weeks, that's uh, 42 days. I made 38 paintings or something like that. Holy shit. Yeah, I was hot and heavy on it. Okay. And, uh, you know, a lot of those things were what I sold the following summer and the summer after that. And the work I did in those six weeks put food on my table for the next two years almost to, to some man. degree. Not that, you know, they were my consistent income but I, I still have some of those paintings and i've sold like 95 percent of them i should have interviewed you so during the pan during the early part of the pandemic i did these instagram lives where i'd interview people uncertain creativity or something like that it's like how are you dealing with being creative in the face of just not knowing what the hell's going well, on that, that also spawned the whole me podcasting thing because you know, town was locked down. So Knoxville shut down on my birthday, which was some fuck shit. March 23rd, pricks. Um, I was supposed to go to a concert, everything. I had a day lined up. I was ready to go. And I was at work. And one of my friends texts me. He's like, hey, they're canceling this concert because of the pandemic. And here I was, pissed off. It was like 1130. Hadn't even eaten lunch yet. Yeah. Matter in hell. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, like three hours later, it was like three thirty, four o'clock city of Knoxville, blah, 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 you know, this, that, and the other. And I was like, son of a bitch, you know, what am I going to do today? Yeah. It's my fucking birthday. Yeah. So what I did was I went home and I ate cake and I ate pie and I got Hell on yeah. and I got on Facebook live because I, you know, nobody else could do anything else. So I was like, if y'all didn't I, you know normally i'll like say hey i'm posted up at this restaurant come have dinner and drinks just filter in as you can uh but i gorged myself on cheesecake and chocolate and double chocolate pie and uh just sat there and talked to my friends or whoever wanted to drop in and say hi for like 45 minutes and you know admitted that it was really shitty the way the world was acting today but yeah. here, here we are we have the luxury of this yeah and uh, i tried to always maintain a, a not so much a sunny disposition about it but uh be keenly aware of the the, the silver lining yeah well i remember so the the week of the shutdown so i remember it being march 13th march 13th because i had tickets to see silver sun pickups at the millamon and it i had yeah. tickets to see motherfucking pigeon plants ping pong oh shit and i was so mad so that week 
I go to a ton of shows. And I had gone to four shows that week. And the March 13th was on a Friday. And it was March 12th. And I'd driven to Asheville to see the Chrissy Lynn Band's Christy Lynn Band's record release show. So I go over there. I'm standing there seeing it. And I'm texting with a friend of mine, Stanton. Which I need to get on the KAAMP at yeah. some point. I, I like that gentleman a lot. So I got, I was texting with him about uh, Postmodern Spirits. And I was just like, oh shit, man. Uh, I was like, how's it going? Like, what are you thinking about all this? This was on Thursday. And he was like, well, a lot of downtown restaurants are fucked. Yeah. Because they cancel big ears and people don't make a lot of money at the tail end of the fourth quarter or all of the first quarter. And big ears is how they make up all that money. But to go drinks. Yeah. So he's <laughs> the one who started that. Spoiler alert. Well, what I was going to say is, so he and I are texting. I was like, this ain't right. I was like, here's what we'll do. I'm going to start an initiative because I can do design. I can do marketing. I was like, I got a friend who does, I can do PR, but I have a friend who's better at PR. I was like, we're going to do support downtown Knoxville for the weekend of big ears. I was like, we're going to try and get, why is everyone texting me while I'm on the phone? Most Monday nights, my phone is just sitting here silent. (laughs) And all of a sudden tonight. Well, it's because we're doing a thing, obviously. Well, it's, I don't know if you saw, but my damn phone almost fell off because it kept. Was it was? No, I didn't see that. Like I had to push it back. Uh, there, you're getting a theater of the mind at home, kids. <laughs> so I text him Thursday night, and I was like, "We gotta do this." And I'm texting my friend Aaron Donovan, the PR person. I was like, "We're gonna do this." And I wake up Friday morning a little bit late because I was tired from driving to Asheville. I'm sitting on the couch on my laptop. I'm building the artwork. I'm yeah. building the page. I'm doing everything. I got the news on. I'm like, what the fuck is going on in the world? <laughs> and that's when everything started. Yeah. Everything started on the 13th. Right. But it took a solid 10 yes. days before yeah. Knox County was like, hey, guys, oh, hell yeah. we should really. But I'm sitting there watching this going, uh, I don't know that we're going to be able to do this that weekend. And I just keep going and keep working on it. And then all of a sudden, it's just hit me. I was like, this it's has like, now become irrelevant. Well, it's like, <laughs> but it's also like one o'clock. I'm like looking at the Mill Mines page. I was like, are they canceling the Silver Sun pickup show? Hey, by like three o'clock, I'm like, cancel this show. I don't want to go because this sounds like yeah, well, scary the, shit. The Mill Mine didn't cancel the show. The band canceled the show in this, in this instance. So. I was just like, man, you know, I get it, but shit, I, I'd waited like three years to yeah. see this band. I I fucked up a lot yeah. when I was a younger man and didn't go see bands because I didn't know I'd be into them. But when I figured out I was into pigeons playing ping pong, yeah. I realized that I had like a dozen other opportunities to go see them, but I passed them up because I didn't know who the hell they were. Yeah, Shame on past Thomas. Shame. But, uh, you know, this was the time I'd had tickets for like four months. I was ready to go. Yeah. And then the world conspired against me. And they haven't <laughs> come back, have they? They have. Oh, they did. They they were with the Motet at the Millen Mine last summer. Oh, okay. And it was amazing. Silver Sun Pickups. They canceled the show. Doors had just opened. Oh. <sighs> And they canceled the show. And I'm sitting there going, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And finally, at like 7.05, I 
or something like that. They're like, oh, we're going to cancel the show tonight. I was like, hey, dumbasses, you should have done this at like six o'clock yeah, or right. something like. And and yeah. And at some point, like two or three, I texted Aaron and Stanton. I was like, I don't think we're going to be able to do this. Right. And they were both like. Aaron, I think, was saying, I didn't want to say that to you, but I wasn't planning on going. <laughs> like, she was like, no. She was like, you're out of your mind you're trying to plan a massive thing downtown. Downtown get-together, yeah. support local business. But here's a, so you had to create crazy creative output. Like, I sunk into that couch. Well, I mean, that, that's not to say I didn't become a couch potato. Okay. It's just that um, I had zero expectations of my time. Yeah. So then suddenly I could do whatever the fuck I wanted because I didn't have to sell my soul for 40 hours a week. Yeah. Uh, and and that's a bit harsh because I enjoy my job. But, you know, capitalism doesn't always make itself most conducive yeah. to uh, free-form creative expression whenever you please. And since I had the luxury of this, I fully capitalized. Okay. Uh, I wasn't worried about not going back to work because I knew that I would go back to work. Well, I think that's the difference of working for myself. I collapsed. Excuse me. And it's so stupid. But the thing that actually got me out of that funk was fucking Tiger King. <laughs> Tiger King. They got a lot of people out of slumps. I watched that entire thing in one day and laughed my ass off. And I was like, all right, I got to get I up had, and get to I work. I had a text message thread with like a dozen of my friends we were all just going through it at our own pace. Just like, did you see this bullshit? And then we'd all be like, yeah, he married both of those guys. And then, you know, oh, guess what, motherfuckers? And then, you know, the whole nine yards. It's just like a constant uh, stream of consciousness that oh. involved this thing yeah. between me and 11 th other people. I think it was my friend Sasha and I were both watching at the same time. And she was just a little ahead of me. And she was like, oh, my God. I was like, shut up. I haven't got there yet. <laughs> like, but that, I, still, I still see bumper stickers, that bitch Carol Baskin. So they, but that got me out of it. And that's when I started doing the creative uncertainty thing where I just started. Stanton did one. My friend Hannah up in Cleveland, Ohio did one. Gerald Witt here in town did. Like I did a bunch of them and they were great because well, it was, I was enjoying hearing other people here like uncertainty and being scared. Well, the thing that out of, out of that, that spurred me, you know, I really enjoy the art scene that Knoxville has, uh, you know, in, this, in spite of all the reasons that I could yeah. choose not to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so I was like, damn, you know, there no nobody's going to First Fridays. Yeah. Nobody's going to the museums. Nobody's doing whatever it would be out and about in public. So how, how do I, as just me, create a space for people to discover art and artists? And this was the method I chose to do that. And, you know, I selfishly, I enjoy doing this. Yeah. But selflessly, I enjoy sharing it as well. Yeah. So the flip side, the flip sides of, of that coin complement each other in a way that don't cause me any friction whatsoever. And um, like I said earlier, it's been nothing but a privilege to sit down and talk to people about how they do what they do. And, I, you know, I think creatively personally professionally as a creative person um this has been one of the the most fruitful endeavors i've undertaken as a creative person across okay. the board you know out, outside of my tangible art and paintings and 3d whatever's um the art of communion and talking about creativity has been 
one of the most enriching things that I've done with my time and myself as a person in the last three years. That's awesome. The, you just remind me, there's something that I never talk about with Ramblin' Man that I used to talk about in the early days, but I haven't in a while, is uh, my friend Aaron Donovan. She goes to the Czech Republic and goes mountain biking. Nobody's going to hear that story. Like, she's going to tell little snippets a little bit when she gets back, and then slowly over time it'll just fade away. But to be able to record and capture that moment of what she was feeling right when she got back, that always juiced me up. Well, the magic is there because she's still high on the experience and really expressive about it. And not like it's still the experience hasn't dulled with time and memory. Yeah. You know, uh, you were able to capture it fresh, which is its own luxury as well. Well, that's why the episode with Sean and I, where I was talking about dudes making fast friends in bars and cigar shops. That's why I ended up talking the whole time. Cause I was literally a day yeah, you, back you got the stories, and yeah. I was just like, Jones must release all the information. Yeah. yeah. So it, and it, and it pleases me to be able to talk passionately with other people that do similar things. Yeah. And I will, un, unless I just completely don't jive with whoever it is, I, I really won't mind to sit down and talk to anybody about making media about art or around art or podcasting. Because like I said earlier, it's just such a unique thing that everybody does so differently that I just enjoy picking their brain about it. Yeah. It's too much fun. Yeah. And me being the social person I am, selfishly enjoy this, even if there were no microphones. So I'll be damned, you know. (laughs) Well, for me, I think the way I've been approaching interviewing artists is trying to figure out the weird, circuitous route that people have gotten there. Oh, but... Because, because but to expand on that, that's everybody with everything. Yeah, you know, not not so much to oh, yeah, to true. take away from the scope of your intended conversation, but uh, life is really funny and it meanders yeah. quite a bit. And if you ask one person how they got there and the other person how they got to the same place, the two answers are going to be so very different. So, and that's beautiful. I th- I think I mentioned like I'm I'm going to be on another podcast. Saturday, we're recording it live. Diane Gibbs, Creatives Ignite, which I'll recommend. She's not here. She's in Alabama. But if I can remember, I will connect you too because I think you ought to be on hers. No, I would happily do she, But she, like, very prepared. She's the one who sent me the questionnaire. It was like, yeah. are there anything? <laughs> but we did a pretest the other day, and this actually goes back, God bless Esther, you're getting nothing but love. This is what you do, <laughs> Esther, when you connect two people. You're going to get shout-outs galore. Uh, but I told Esther this on my podcast with her. I was like, I the, I have the weirdest, like, graduating high school with four years of print shop and design experience to starting college. Or actually starting working at Taco Bell. That period <laughs> is so weird. And Diane, she was like, is there anything you want to talk about? I was like, I need you to just say, what was the summer of 96 like? Because I will go on a tear of just how weird the weird job offers I got that just kept going down to, <laughs> to where then it was after a certain point, I was like, I couldn't get a job. Like I would go apply at like Walmart and Target and they're like, well, you don't have enough job experience. I was but like, I've got four years of experience doing this professional thing right here. Yeah, but it was in high school, so <laughs> right. they didn't so count it. it. Mm. But I also worked at a ballpark where I worked more hours at the ballpark than I work now. Like, I would work every night. I would work the fields, and then I would score keep 
from like four o'clock to 11 o'clock. And then weekends, it would be seven in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. Like so you learned a lot. Did you learn a lot about yourself when, and when you did these jobs you didn't particularly care for? Cause I did. Uh, those, yeah, there's still tools I learned from Taco Bell that I still use today. That's why I like to work quick and efficiently. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a job as an executive chef at a biker bar in some small town, between here and the North Carolina border that okay. shall, shall remain unnamed. Uh, <laughs> not that it's a bad place. It's just that I don't have favorable things to say about my experience there. Okay. Um, <laughs> I worked under the table, the only chef there from breakfast to last call. It was a mess. And I was taller than the, t- the trailer kitchen they stuck me in to cook everything. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, they shoved me in the drive-thru, which the... <laughs> The thing to, you had hold, to bend down into the window, the racks to hold like cups and stuff above me went to my, like my neck, mm. and I was like, I could damn near sit on the floor and do this job. Right? And, yeah. yeah. Anyway, sorry, uh, so, but I, that was a, a large uh, that that experience offered me a large amount of uh, introspection and yeah. and friction in a way that was healthy. Like, hey, I don't like this. Why do I not like this? How am I going to make it to where I either like this or remove myself from this yeah. to like it, you know, to do something better I like more. And uh, the best part about this particular gig is that I would live on campus at the place from Thursday to Sunday. But the how, how the living would happen, air quotes, yeah. is I would set up my tent on a deck that was on the shore of the river. And I would wake up every morning with Canadian geese being my alarm clock. And oh, I would man. open up the zipper of my tent and I would see the sun beaming down on the French broad and these uh, Canadian geese warming and sunning themselves on a rock in the middle of the river. That's amazing. And that silver lining was the only silver lining for this entire experience. <laughs> but waking up to that four days a week for like five months, four months, whatever it was I was there, I'll never forget that. Yeah. It was gorgeous. So not totally similar, but my friend Greg White, I met in college that I've been watching Super Bowl with for 25 years. We had 25 years this year. There's a point where his cousin's grandmother, good Lord, this that's some East Tennessee shit. Yeah. His cousin's grandmother. That lives in the house down by the crooked tree next to the yeah. big rock. Where uh, turn left where the Kaz Walker used to be. Yes, because yes, I yes. know I've already said once where the Kmart used to be. Uh, had a cabin on Watts Bar, mm-hmm. and so they used to just go and blow out. They would go like when they were in college, they would leave class on Thursday and stay through Sunday night, and then try to get back to Knoxville to yeah, go right. to school. So <laughs> try, try, yeah. So I got in on the tail end of this to where we still did. They still, I got invited, and we still did it like four years maybe five years but it kept whittling down to just like essentially a day or two which sucked but when i went i am not an early morning person but i would wake up before everyone else i would wake up at like 6 30 and there was the water right there and a dock i would walk down there with a fishing pole a big cup of milk at 6 a.m in like june when yeah. the when the weather in the morning is the best. Yeah. The absolute best. And just sit there and hear the world waking up. Mm-hmm. Because it was before the wave runners were going and all that bullshit. And I would just sit down there by myself. And then 
as the years wore on, there were some times where I was like, it would be raining or something, and I would sit up in the screened-in porch, and one of the times, one of the wives of one of the guys came down and sat, and we just sat there and chatted, and it was lovely. Yeah. It's the greatest thing. Lovely is an, an amazing adjective for that. And I will, ne- same thing, I will ne- that isn't the same as working and that being the positive. But, but of the, the day. silver lining here is is the parallel. Yeah, is that it was just like, I will never forget those moments. Those are moments that are etched in my brain. Mm. And I've said this, so Sean and I have talked like when we work for ourselves, there were times on Tuesday night where we'd get together smoking cigars, we'd meet at nine. We would still be smoking cigars at three in the morning, trying to figure out which okay, which director has the best three film run yeah. in a row. <laughs> and we figured it out, and I've got two for you: Rob Reiner and Penny Marshall. How, the, how is Ridley Scott not on this list? In the, no, in a row, because there's a lot of them, like Spielberg and stuff, that'll have two and. <laughs> yeah, but Penny Marshall and Rob Reiner in the eighties, because Penny Marshall had like uh, I'm trying to remember. It was like Big Awakenings and A League of Their Own, and it's hard. A to League be- of Their Own is an amazing movie. It's hard to beat those three. And Rob Reiner same way, where it's like he actually had like five in a row, where it was like going from Spinal Tap all the way to American President. Like Spinal Tap's an amazing. Yeah, movie. Uh, you know what? Okay, I'll answer this real quick. I'm very curious what Ryan Johnson's next movie is going to be. Yeah. I'm so very curious because I've greatly enjoyed both these Knives Out, knives yeah. out films. Yeah. Uh, creatively, I enjoy very intertwined plots that slowly reveals themselves. Yeah. And both of those movies do exactly that. I love that both of them have a major twist right in the middle. And, that, and the, especially with the first one, it was like, oh, shit, you're going to tell us how this happened. Right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like, that was amazing. And then the left turn. <laughs> yeah. So Sean and I were up till three in the morning. And it, there were some times where I had a meeting at like nine or 10 in the morning. And I told him, there was one time he's like, oh shit, you need to get going. I was like, I'm never going to regret staying here till 3 a.m. Right no. Yeah. I was like, I won't remember being tired in the morning because I don't give a shit. But. Ten years from now, when I think back on this night right here, I'm going to think back about how much you and I enjoyed ourselves yeah. doing, doing this right now, right yeah. here. Yeah. We're, we're at like 1130. We were like, I wonder who did have the best three. And then it went the, from there the till 3 a.m. Yeah. And it was like, he was like, oh, shit. What about this guy? And I'd be like, oh, fuck yeah. Let me look that up. And then I'd be like, oh, shit. Michael Mann. Mm-hmm. Michael Mann's got to have an impressive run because you go Last Mohicans to, or even like Manhunter, Last Mohicans, Heat, the inside. Like it's crazy. But I still think Rob Reiner and Penny Marshall had the, anyway. But, but yeah, like, yeah, Ryan Johnson's will be, but it's, I don't regret those moments. No, not at all. Now the and sad really part. The point here. <laughs> yeah, now now the sad part is having a job. I'm like, I can't do that shit anymore. I'm so, I, I'm such a. So here's another thing that happened in the pandemic. There was a point where I had no work, I had no meetings, I had no prospects, mm. and I was trying to get work, anything, and it just wasn't happening because everything was still shut down. And there was finally a point. I was like, Why am I setting my alarm for nine? Nine o'clock. <laughs> I ain't got shit to wake up for. <laughs> so I just said, "What am I doing?" I'm gonna wake up whenever my body naturally feels like. And some mornings it was eight thirty. Yeah. And sometimes it was twelve forty-five. Mm-hmm. And that was the best I felt in a long time. Um. So, 
people that listen to this shit have heard me say this a lot, but I'll I'll tell you because it's relevant right now. Um, my premium creative mode comes after like five days of not doing shit. Oh, okay. Because that's enough time for my head and my body to get out of the cycle of, oh, yeah, I got to go to work, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So once I get out of that, like I'll wake up in the morning. It'll be between 7.30 and 9 o'clock. I'll work till 2 or 3 o'clock. I won't. I, if, I'll grab like a glass of water, maybe a light snack, and just sit down and do okay. and get lost in it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, shit, I'm human. I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. I have a headache. I need to go pee. You know, whatever. Yeah. I'll, I'll come back, too, because my body is like, hey, you know, uh, do shit for me. Yeah. Because you're hungry. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'll meander about society or pay bills or whatever. You know, do the normal shit after I yeah. come out of the fog of painting or crafting or whatever it was i was doing and that's what a good creative day looks like for me but i hate that it takes me four or five days to get into that cycle because it'd be a lot more convenient if it didn't yeah but it, you know it does well, but i can't really complain about how my creativity works through me um in in other aspects because yeah. you know i can spend four or five hours in, in an evening or on a saturday doing what i want to do just fine but I feel way more at home in my creative process when I have to, real time to ease into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a website I need to work on now that I do have this issue every once in a while. I was like, that's going to take me a lot of time. So it's I'll come home from work. I was like, I don't have it in me tonight. Yeah. I just don't have the brain. And then sometimes I'll wake up on the weekend. I was like, I don't have it. In. I was like, I've got to get this thing done. But I know at bare minimum to get it up and going, I'm going to need at least four to five hours. So I've got to figure out when to block off four to five hours to just be like, I have to get this done. Yep. But it's. I thought I heard someone talking out there. So <laughs> another weird thing is my apparently my windows or walls are very thin because everyone's like my neighbor. I'm going to quiet down in case she can actually hear me. Make sure I'm picking up. My neighbor the other night was on the phone screaming at somebody, and I could hear her clear as day. And with, I was like, with expletives? Yeah. And I was like, if I can hear her, that means she can hear me. Maybe I need to turn everything down a little bit. No. <laughs> you, I was, just, you just keep each other's secrets. <laughs> That's a good neighborly move right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, four days. So when working for myself, the days I really loved were the days where it's like, oh, I got a check in the mail. And I'd be like, oh, I need to take a shower and go. Or I have a meeting yeah, yeah. in the middle of the day <laughs> to where it's like I would get up and I would feel more task oriented because I was like, I need to answer these three emails. And then and now I got to get moving because I got to do this. And then when I would get back, I would usually be jazzed up and I'd be like, okay, let's go ahead and knock this, this, so. and this. And it, those were the days that were good for me. You asked that on the last one, and I totally screwed that up. Well, but. I mean, we have an answer now. Yeah, yeah. Toward those <laughs> would be four hours again. <laughs> yeah, uh, two hours and fifty-seven minutes at this point. <laughs> that uh, we can finally end the podcast because we finally uh, answered the first question. Okay, well, that's question one. Question two. Um, <laughs> But at, when I work for myself, those were the good days. Uh, because I remember there was one project I was working on. A company I, I was doing work for handed me an external hard drive. With I've varied this over the years because I can't remember how many hours it was. I think it was 40 hours worth or 50 hours worth of video 
that they wanted me to look through all of that and edit down two sets of commercials. 30 seconds, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 15 seconds. But I was like, I'm going to have to watch all this footage. They're like, That's fine. We'll we'll pay you for all that. Bill, bill us for the hours. Like. And immediately I was like, well, I just made all my mortgage payments for an entire year. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then I still had to edit the damn videos. But I woke up this, and I woke up, I would immediately start coffee, get a bowl of cereal or oatmeal, come in my computer, play. Start watching it. Would do that all day. Would earmark the stuff I needed. Would get up, you know, would go get dinner, come back, still do it. But I would do that every day from 9.45 a.m. to usually 1.30 in the morning. I would go to bed. And that was a great rhythm for you to do that, right? I did that three days in a row. And then? I, I did not shower. I did not anything. <laughs> I just got up and did that exact same thing. And at the end of three days, I think it was around... 10 30 or 11 o'clock at night i just started blinking i was like what the fuck and i hopped in the shower and that's when uh merchants of beer had john stancil's cigars on the far end yeah and i went down there because it was like a friday night and i knew they were open till 1 a.m and i sat there just like <gasps> like this is the first time i've been in public in days <laughs> this is the first time i've had a shower in three days like i was i was done and kevin and john were in there like are you okay you seem a little wired i was like i haven't left my I haven't left my office in three days. Trust like, me, I'm better now. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. And they were just oh, like, okay. Goodness. And then that got me in a cycle where I can't tell you how many times I would go down there on a fr Thursday or Friday or Saturday night when they are open late. And I would get there at 11 p.m. And Kevin would look at me and go, you're finally done with work? I was like, at least for tonight. As, as done as I'm going to be today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I just sat there and I would smoke cigars for like two, two and a half hours. And there were times where I'm like, we got to clean up. You can stick around, finish your cigars. Like, awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Like, or, or if you if you still got some left, stay outside. Nobody cares. Right. It's like, cool, because I don't have to get up in the morning. I just have to right. get up in the yeah. morning. And it was awesome. Like, it was. But, yeah, that one three-day period, I still remember to this day. Same thing of, there was one time where I came home like a Friday and the first season of true detective had just ended. Yo, that show is amazing. So I take that back. I had started watching it on Thursday night. Sorry for you. Headphone listeners. No. <laughs> so it was what? Like 10, 12 hours of TV. Yeah, it was. I think it was 10 episodes, 10 episodes. So 10 hours. So I watched start watching it Thursday night, but start watching it late. So I watched like three episodes and then Friday night I started watching it. And by the time I ended the last episode, it was one in the morning. And I shit you not, I was laying on that couch right there. That show ended in that weird fucked up way of them looking up at the stars. And I swear to God, the minute the credit came up, I stood up dramatically. I walked to my front door. I threw open my front door and walked and just stood barefoot in my front yard and just went. Yeah, yeah. And I was just yeah. like holy shit so so let's let's talk about the glory of this television program and then and then let's have a concise end to this conversation <laughs> um i wholeheartedly believe in my heart of hearts that has consumed a ton of tv media yeah that that is one of the best tv shows period ever so it's it's a weird thing i can give you four answers five answers 
I rewatched Cheers from the beginning, and that shit holds up on a level you don't even understand. Well, that's because it's a people-oriented program. But they would have an entire season arc. Yeah. And there were things like Cliff would make a joke in episode six of season one, and it came back season 13 of season <laughs> or season three, episode 13, where he made a, a comment about going to Florida. I was like, holy shit. I remember that in season one. Like, so the four I have for you, True Detective season one, Atlanta season one. Atlanta's good. Season two was okay. Season three was awful. I haven't watched season four yet. Ted Lasso season one. I haven't watched Ted Lasso yet. I have watched season one five times. <laughs> uh, and the other one is The Weird Outlier. And I recently rewatched it. And finally on this time, I was like, it's not as good as I remember, even though I've watched it like 10 times. There's a show in the 90s called Due South. And I still think season one is one of the best things ever on TV. I never saw it. Because they took chances. It's about a Canadian Mountie that his father dies gets killed and he tracks the person who killed him to Chicago. So he comes and he do South. Yeah. And he's a member of the uh, Canadian consulate and he befriends a Chicago police officer. That's the detective on his dad's case. Ah. And it's the two of them, buddy cop, but it takes so many chances and does so much weird shit. And season one is tremendous. Although rewatching, I was like, this is not good. This is not good. This is... <laughs> but you're finally able to be objective. True detective. Like, I think those are like five things to where even like, I love West wing. I've watched West wing from beginning to end seven times. There is not a season of that. That is perfect television. <laughs> and I love that show. Uh, but yeah, you are right. That true detective that, season one. It, it is one of the most well-crafted bit of media destined for TV. Yeah. And and that and that's from the score and the opening sequence to the last spoken word and the last scene of the last episode. It it's just it's fucking magnetic. I have gone on. You, I used to have watch parties when the new episode would come out. I'd go down to my buddy's house and be like, "Hey, it's whatever night. Yeah, it, it comes on tonight. We're gonna watch that, right?" And and we would like, yeah. and we did it. You know, after the second episode, we're like, "Oh yeah, this is what we're doing. This is the ritual. Yeah. We're gonna get together and watch." true detective that i have rewatched that scene where they go out side of the hospital that last episode i can't tell you how many times on youtube like that scene alone is like one of the greatest scenes ever in television yeah and also rusty's dialogue when he's talking about how time is a flat circle yeah. i want alamo or lone star nothing snooty and i love i love that he is so lawfully aware in that scene that uh, he knows that as soon yeah. as he starts drinking, none of that is admissible in court. Yeah. And that's when he really lays it on. Yeah. After he starts drinking. Because yeah. he's like, you know, it's noon on a Thursday. Uh, it's it's time for me to start drinking. Y'all don't get to interrupt that. Yeah. That's like the perfect functioning alcoholic thing to say for his character. <laughs> but I I don't know how long this this script was worked on before it got picked up for TV. But it seems like... Every character and how they all interact was so spot on and well knitted together that you, that the plot was airtight until it showed you a hole. Yeah. And, uh, and not that there are any like serious gaping plot holes, but you know, it was, it, it so well put together that it, it held you by the hand and walked yeah. you through the story in a way that you still had no idea what was coming next. Yeah. It's like walking down a dark hallway being led by a stranger and you were happy about it. 
Oh my god. I, I have it. I have such love for this. It program. has been on my rewatch list forever. Same, and it'll it, always be there. Yeah, uh, I hate to say I'll give you three more TV shows because <laughs> right. I can't not mention them. The Wire. Yeah, that's got to be on everybody's list. Let's be honest about that. And Breaking Bad. I haven't. Okay, so uh, full disclosure, I haven't watched through both of those. Okay, but I have watched a lot of both of those and enjoyed every minute so, of. Michael K. Williams. So two things about Michael K. Williams. When he passed away for like four days, all I did was watch wire clips and it took all I had not to just pop them in and start watching them from the beginning. Uh, he also, I do a motivational Monday every Monday, February for feral giant. I've not missed a Monday on that. Hey. I've not missed a Monday on that. Uh, I quoted him. He screenshotted it, shared it to his Instagram. Nice. That is that was a highlight. I would say so. And he said something like, "Thanks to my brother Feral Drive for a point." I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like, uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, the third one I was going to say is Justified. That's a great TV show too. Like uh, the the arcs, the fact that same thing that they did season long arcs, and the one with Margot Martindale, the woman. The grandma that that season, <laughs> holy Jesus! Uh, also, um, damn, what's his face? Walton uh, Goggins. Yes, he is such a. a oh God, that is that is one of the best pairings of writer and uh, actor ever. I I genuinely enjoy that man's work. I don't care yeah. what character he's playing. He puts life into every character. So here's when I, I feel I guilty. It. I still have not started watching Righteous Gemstones. I haven't either. Because I want I, it to be over I, before not, I watch all I'm of it. I'm not going to hold that one over your head. Yeah. I will say Eastbound and Down, I waited till it was all over, and I watched it in one whack, and I was like, The Fixins? Yes. The Fixins? Uh, you can get the Fixins. And, and the Panty Dropper. Yeah. Uh, I, I had... Um, there, okay, so every now and again at work, I get to swing my dick around and talk design with my boss because okay. he's he's the lead designer, but I'm the senior, I'm the most senior okay. employee. So every now and again, I just get to be like, "Hey, we should really do this," and he'll listen to me just a little bit. Yeah. So we got this guy's jet ski in. <laughs> I really like it. Really we got like this it. guy's jet ski in, and he's a customer that we really like, and he allows us a little creative freedom with his yeah. projects. So I was like, "Hey, Lou." We're going to do this and this with this thing, right? And it's going to be a lot of purple. And he's like, yeah. It's like, you know what we should do? And he's like, no, what should we do? I said, panty dropper. And he's like, what the fuck is panty dropper? I said, I said, you need to go home and tow a jet ski with a lime green viper and get back to me after you've watched Eastbound and Down. Eastbound and Down, the main character. He has a jet ski called the Panty Dropper, and it is purple and cheetah print. So I managed to get some cheetah print registration numbers on this damn watercraft, and that that's just a little thing that made me so happy because the other color we put on this thing was like a, a color shifty blue, green, purple. Okay. So there was enough purple there to make me be like, oh, yeah, it's fucking cheetah print. Like <laughs> That's amazing. That, I, just on Twitter today, I saw a clip, and it was... I can't remember his last name, but it was Will Ferrell's character, Ashley. Yeah. Where it was him standing there talking to Craig Robinson and Danny McBride, and they cannot keep a straight face. Uh, and, and he was talking about... It the was bloopers a, from all those things. It was a blooper, gold. and he was talking about how he was making love to his wife. And he's like, and I turned the heat up to 85 to make it 
sweaty in there and he just keeps going on on and he's like and then we hear a noise and and my son had walked in and my wife said oh god we gotta stop he's like let the boy watch <laughs> how's he going to learn i learned by watching my daddy and he learned by watching his dad let the boy watch and it was just like Craig Robinson and Dave McGuire just dying, dying, dying. I was like, and even Will Ferrell is cracking up. You I was can like, see it on his face. I was like, you know, it's good if Will Ferrell is cracking up because he never breaks. Well, it's like that scene in the in the Monty Python movie or whatever it was for the Roman guys yelling at the Roman soldiers. Oh, yeah. And you can just see them trying so hard not to break. Oh, character. yeah. Biggest dickest in the guys. Just yeah. like, <laughs> oh, know? yeah. One of my favorite SNLs is there was one and it was. I can't remember who the middle person was, but it was talking about alien abductions and it was Ryan Gosling and Kate McKenna on the <laughs> end. And Ryan Gosling could not keep it together. He was absolutely it dying. Be, it would be hard for me to keep it together around Kate McKenna. And Kate anyway, McKenna's sitting there fucking hilarious. Wide legged hand down her pants, just like, and that alien and just straight as an arrow. And Ryan Gosling is just fucking dying. And I here's here's a little bit of homework. One of my favorite shows is the Graham Norton show. The I, I dig. the interview. Just go in there and search Greg. I think it's Greg Davies. He's this big, tall comedian dude. But there was one episode where it was Jodie Foster, Russell Crowe, Ryan Gosling. Oh, what a mix. Greg Davies. And then he was uh, Graham sitting there and he's like, um, Greg, do you have this story about when you were a teacher? And he was like, what? And he was like, the laundry? And he was like, oh, God, don't make me tell that story. And he Graham goes, tell Jodie Foster this story. <laughs> yeah, and Jodie Foster's like, what's going on? Yeah, tell me the story. And he tells his story about how he was a grown I can't tell it. Ryan Gosling is crying. And just like, you can see his whole body just going, <laughs> like right. just shaking. And if you watch it, because it's like Greg Davies' greatest like it's like 12 minutes long or something, but it's, I'm going to search for it just to make sure I'm saying this right. It is Greg Davies. He's got a show called Taskmaster. That's really good. And holy shit. We have to eventually end this podcast because I'm realizing what time it is. Like, yeah, it's late now. <laughs> how I got to get up tomorrow and I got a podcast tomorrow night. That's going to be a, a, a good one, but along with, with a woman, Kelly Schwab out of, Oh, there it is. Graham Norm. But he tells this story. There, See, there's him and Ryan Gosling. Yeah, yeah. And he tells this story that... Well, there. Just read the title of the third one over. Helena Bonham Carter farted and wet herself in front of Greg Davies. That sounds like a wonderful time. Yeah. So he tells this story, and Ryan Gosling cannot stop. But there's another story later on. That's why you watch the funniest one. Yeah. Where he tells this story. And at the end, Ryan, Ryan Gosling seems like an amazing dude. Like, I've seen him in interviews, and he seems like the weirdest, dorkiest dude in the world. And there's a point where he, Greg Davies, finishes his story, and Ryan Gosling turns to him and goes, high five, man. And Greg <laughs> Davies high fives him. He was like, never in a million years would I ever guess that I'd be high fiving him after telling him a stupid ass story. Right. <laughs> Something like that. It's the best. It's the best, man. <laughs> this. Here, here, we'll actually end on a, or it's your podcast, sorry. Nah, I ain't shit. You ain't got to apologize to me. We both know what we're doing, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> totally. Here is my biggest artistic creative killer. These videos on YouTube. 
They suck up so much of your time. Because I will just sit <laughs> and watch these. Or you can see them down here. Previously watch these tri-channel videos. Oh, God. I, I, reaction videos are the bane of my existence on the internet. Oh, you don't like them? I, I tend to stay away from them. Oh, man. Because there's two that I love a lot. Tri-channel are Irish people trying shit. And it's the funniest thing in the world. Cause, I, I will say, like, the ones that get the nuns or the grandmas, I will I will favor. Oh. But that's about it. I will say these are good because it's usually, like, comedians. So they're, like, trying, like, these crazy Halloween shots. And they're like, oh, God, who would order <laughs> Like Or they're drinking, like, Polish Everclear that's, like, 190 proof. Because uh, that's fun. But... Like these, and the other one I like is all because he's positive energy. There's this guy, Jamal, a.k.a. Jamel, that he's a black dude uh, watching videos or listening to music that is not in his realm. He was, <laughs> he was like, I grew up on the spinners, man. I don't know who Ram Jam is. And then he watches Black Betty, and he's just like, yeah That's like great. he's so getting into it <laughs> and then he starts watching chris stapleton videos and he and there's these other two guys lost in vegas they're the first reaction videos i ever saw it's these two black guys and they're interviewing and they're watching chris stapleton listen chris stapleton doing tennessee whiskey and it starts out you know the and then he starts singing and i'm not kidding and he's saying like four words and they paused it and they went they looked at one another and they're like, he's invited to the cookout. <laughs> and they just can't play. He can, eat, like, he can eat the rib. Yeah, they're like, like, he can bring whatever he wants. <laughs> like, it's the greatest thing ever. But this, because it's not stupid. Like, but this is nothing but happiness and joy right. to me. And that kind of sucks. Because when you leave, I'm going to watch that Greg Day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go full circle back to this. One of my favorite YouTube things, uh, The Hollywood Reporter has oh, yeah. uh, has a series of roundtable discussions with writers, comedians, actors, directors, all the yeah. things. And um, I think I'm bothered by how cut up okay. the, the dialogue is because I know they've got all these people in a room for 45 minutes and then they make a 35-minute video yeah. with, with cuts and stuff. I want to hear that whole thing uncut, please. The Hollywood Reporter, please put these uncut things. Can I give you just as a, sorry to jump in? There go. There was a show on IFC IFC in the mid two thousands called Dinner for Five with John Favreau and four celebrity guests. Ooh, yeah, I'm all for that then. The only problem I had is they cut it down to like twenty five to thirty. See, minutes. that's bullshit. And, that's and I was like, no, they ate an entire meal and had dinner and had dessert, and then did also, Favreau cook it? Huh? Did no, Favreau no, they would go to restaurants. Okay. And then they would have drinks and cigars afterwards. This is like a five, six hour thing. Right. And 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 my distaste for that is why I do this the way I okay. do it. But hearing the conversations with all these really high end industry people about their yeah. craft and how articulately they explain their thought processes and all that jazz around the whole ordeal, you know, context of the conversation, it's really enlightening. And yeah. I really enjoy hearing these passionate people talk passionately about the things that they do. And, you know, there might be some uh, pretext or mild pretentiousness about it because it's Hollywood stuff. But I feel as if there's pearls of wisdom that could be gleaned from all of these conversations. Um, I think uh, they had one with uh, 
Robert De Niro and Tom Hanks and uh, you know just, just a very eclectic mix of 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 folks and um, it's just amazing to hear the interplay of ideas at these tables and it's a privilege to be able to be privy to these conversations at such a high level and I, I if I have any aspirations as someone that presents conversational long form media, I would hope to be half as good as some of those bits of media. Well, I tell you those, uh, cause I'm trying to look, there's this guy, I think it's called, maybe it's not camera on camera. It's always black and white. And it's one dude interviewing a celebrity and it's a podcast, but it's also a video Yeah, and it feels like those, but it's more one-on-one. And I can't remember what it's called. If I find it, I'll send it to well, you. Well, I, I enjoy the group dynamic because it's usually the host and five other people. Well, and I tell you, the things I love about that, even though I don't like them getting clipped out, the things I actually love most of that is there's almost always like one thing that comes out of that that is just like, I am glad this is in my life. Oh, yeah. And it was like... One of them recently was, I'm trying to find the Tom Hanks one, uh, where one of them was Brendan Fraser, Fraser and Kiho Kwan from Everything Ever in Short Round. Yeah. And it's just like a minute long clip. And he's saying like, uh, Brendan Fraser said when they met in the hallway before, they were like, we're still here. Yeah, and it's this beautiful moment of them just going like, "Holy shit, they're still there." Yeah, I think it's, I think the Tom Hanks roundtable one, the one with Shia LaBeouf, I really enjoyed, but Gary Oldman right there, the the next one, um, there's a good mix. Uh, Boyega there gives a good youthful presence to that table and a good, uh, I don't want to say like rookie point of view, but he's definitely the least senior person around the table. So seeing his response to the, the personalities around the table was super humbling because he was like, guys, I'm just privileged to be here and to be involved in this conversation is also a privilege. Yeah. So the fact that we're all sitting here doing this, I, f- I feel very fortunate. That's and, awesome. uh, uh, Adam driver and the first one there with, um, Shia LaBeouf and Robert De Niro is also a really good one. I've seen most of these. Um, Shia LaBeouf has been, <laughs> is 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 an odd character in Hollywood because he's so anti Hollywood. Yeah, from my perception of his stance, but uh, to hear him in this context in this conversation with these people, it was really refreshing to hear his takes in contrast with everyone else's because a lot of the people around that table are pretty well established in Hollywood and not that he isn't, but he has a really counterculture point of view on that. And the fact that they were able to talk about a lot of similar things and find a lot of parallels in each other's life experience at the same time was really nice. I only struggle with people like him because I feel like he's trying too hard to be too outsider. I mean, maybe he is, but I I think sometimes with me, it feels it rings inauthentic and I just need a little nugget to get past that because I'm sure it's not. I'm sure he's being him. Yeah, I, I, I enjoy the contrast uh, of his character as to most people in this genre of society. Yeah. Um, but we're all a little out there. (laughs) Well, that's that's why I actually like Tom Hanks because I feel like Tom Hanks is just being Tom Hanks. Yeah, and that part. That yeah, that's the one that I right wanted here. to pull up. That the, yeah, this that's, show that's in this piece, and I think that's a, a wonderful 
uh, way. And he's, you know, he's he's never concerned. There's a part where he talks about the next job. Yeah. And, um, you know, no matter how bad this happened, there's probably another thing that you could look forward to and yeah. and expertly craft and do your thing yeah. to or with. Um, and, well, and that's nice. That's so nice. Well, and it's, and hell, I just quoted this to a guy at work today. The, have you ever seen Charlie Wilson's War? So it's not a very good movie, even though it's Mike Nichols directing, who's great. I think Aaron Sorkin wrote it. It's Tom Hanks, Julia Roberts, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman needs to be talked about more because that dude. <laughs> I agree. That dude. He, and it's the weird shit of like that stupid movie of Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston. There's something about Mary. No, that, no. The one. No, where, that's not. That's uh, what's her face. Cameron Diaz. Yeah. Whatever that film was, Philip Seymour Hoffman was his buddy and he was comedic. And it was one of the funniest roles I've ever seen. Because they're out front, play, they're out in New York playing basketball. And he's just like, from downtown. And he just bricks off of it. Like, it's one of the funniest things ever. Uh, I, Twisters was on TV the other day and I totally oh, forgot he was in it. <laughs> uh, but Tom Hanks is kind of pulling a little bit from a speech from that where, and you can find that where he says something like, uh, I'm going to go ahead and search this so I have it. And I can come back to it because I don't want to forget. I want to watch. See, this is me. I want to watch that again. <laughs> uh, but the, all that that genre of Hollywood reporters media, I, I've thoroughly consumed and thoroughly enjoyed. So it's this one. It's the Zen Master, and what he's saying to him is, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character is CIA agent. Charlie Wilson is a senator and it's getting uh money and guns to the talibans to fight the russians <laughs> that's the whole story <laughs> of this film so what he's talking to him about here is uh every once in a while he would say we'll see and uh philip seymour hoffman's character said let me tell you about the zen master and the little boy he's like this little boy's born and they're like isn't it such a great thing he's like we'll see and he's born and he does this and he goes, we'll see. And he just keeps going and he's like, and then the boy gets a horse. And he, and they're like, isn't this such a great thing? He said, we'll see. And then he was like, and then uh, he gets thrown from the horse and breaks his leg. And isn't that such an awful thing? We'll, we'll see. see. Yeah. And then he was like, and then they go to war and the kid can't go to war because he's got a broken leg. Isn't that so great? We'll see. And that's the whole point of that yeah. speech. I was like, that is, I, I, there's a longer story that I will not waste your time because it's too <laughs> fucking late about how when I was young, my dad got mad at me, got mad at someone else to me about, I'll tell the story because it's quick. We were playing basketball. We beat the other team. One of the kids came out, slammed himself on the couch and started kicking the shit out of the couch and was crying. And as we're walking out the door, my dad, as he hits the door, turns around and puts his finger in my face. Remember, the finger in the face is shit. Yeah, serious in. business. And he said, boy, I better, never not, I better never see you do shit like that. Because of that one moment, if I have success, cool, I'm moving on. If I have failure, shit, I'm moving on. Moving on. We'll see. Yep. This too shall pass. That shit entered my life when I was like eight. Because my dad was always like, that's great that we won a game. Practice is next Tuesday. Right, yeah, like the next one now. He was like, I don't give a sh He was like, you know, he was just very much that way. 
So when I see shit like that, I think about that of just like, we'll see this too shall pass throughout. That's why the pandemic was so, it was so unbearable to everybody, but it was just like not having the, the we'll see this too shall pass did not ring true in my brain. At <laughs> so, that so that's why it was difficult. Yeah. That's why it was. Difficult. And ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> 17 hours later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if you will tell folks where to find you and your oh, outputs, geez. folks have heard enough of me at this point. <laughs> if you want to find me online, feralgiant.com at feralgiant slash feralgiant on all social media, even LinkedIn and the podcast app rambling man pod. You can go to ramblemanpod.com and there's links to like Apple and Stitcher and all those outbound from there. And I appreciate you for having me on. And sorry I hijacked and we ended up doing a Rambler Man essentially. No, no, we, this was this was two people having a conversation on two different episodes of two different programs, <laughs> <laughs> which which is pretty much what I felt would happen anyway. So I my expectations were met and it's fine. Uh, this is the KAAMP. That is the Knoxville Area Artist Network and Platform. Uh, I talk to creatives from the Knoxville region and and slightly larger region at times. Uh, I've even talked to people from New Zealand. That's you know I, I called Ben from New Zealand and he was on the show. Awesome. But uh, if you would like to support the show, the most direct way you can do that is to buy my fucking art. That is at TTW Artworks at Instagram. There's a hyphen in there. Um, that, that is the best way to monetarily support me as a human being sovereign in society. Um, and that is also a great way to support the podcast by putting resources where I can use them to, uh, you know, reach out to people and do things and have these conversations and making sure all the technical aspects of those things are covered. And, uh, I need y'all to know that I really enjoy it and I'm very appreciative and grateful of all the things that you help me do and do for myself and do for other people um what you need to do now is put this shit in your friend's ear holes with consent you need to uh share it like it rate it do all that wonderful stuff that's on your end of the spectrum and uh y'all i really appreciate it it's been a great time having conversation today and thank y'all for listening and you can hit the button now